Cradleine Network. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 300th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for November, progs. 912 to 915. This time, Fox has written the script and gets gets to control the whole narrative. This will ultimately result in a show unlike normal, as it will have 100% more truth while being both fair and balanced. We'll also be looking at Judge Dredd, Red Razors, Skiz, Biggs Barton, and of course, man. If you want to read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd the Gives Files 21, The Complete Skiz, Button Man of Harry X, and Conrad. I have taken control of the show. It's mine now. Woo! 300 <laughs> years of Space Spinner! 300 goddamn years. Man. I, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a good run. I remember, years. I remember back in 1723 when we started <laughs> this podcast, Fox. Oh, yeah, man. It just passed the Black Act in England, was apparently adding a bunch of crimes that were sen- sentenceable by death. And that was, the, you- oh, that was the coolest piece of trivia that I found about 1723 when I looked it up on Wikipedia earlier today. Remember what a farthing used to be able to buy you, you know? Could get two Fre- two Freddos for a farthing, Fox. That's some, that's some British, those were the days, cheapness especially. <laughs> I hear you got some stats for us, buddy. It's the Man, 300th episode. Yeah, listen, 300 episodes mean I take some time to do some stats, which includes spending time pouring over these old episodes to figure out what our top and bottom thrills were. Something oh, God. I should be doing while we're doing the episode, so it's not a big yeah, slog not, right at the end. We're not going to. That but sounds fuck like that. Work. Yeah, I know. That's that's a future you problem, and now it's a past you. Uh, it's a medium. It's still slightly future me. Anyway, Fox, important, <laughs> important information. One, this is actually our 420th episode. Oh, nice. Oh, every day because that's counting if you count everything else episode 231 space bitter 231 was actually our uh our 300th episode like Jesus 300th Christ. audio thing put on our feed basically well if we were still in california this would be a very different episode absolutely <laughs> at last um <laughs> Gotten. Listen, I learned that 420 meant weed the hard way in California, which is by saying, by people saying it's 420, you're not knowing what that means, and then they laugh at you. Goddamn kids. I hate God, it so God, much, Fox. Shake, shake your fist at them. Tell them to get off your own. hate these kids from 30 years ago, Fox, so much. Um, Rude. <laughs> uh, blah, blah, blah. Also, um, because of guest hosts and shit, Fox, this is actually your 254th episode. So, oh, you know, Jesus Christ. You still got a ways before you get uh, to 300. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, because um, when we got when we got hit episode 200, we had about 300 hours of audio. Since then, we've actually almost doubled that, adding another 250 or so hours of audio. Jesus Christ. Okay. You know, because 
mostly because we added in Big Meg One and stuff like that. So we've sort of got a secondary show almost as frequent as this one, or, you know, sort of two space spinners, one Big Meg One, that kind of stuff. So yeah, 250 total. So if you listen to everything, and that includes also the, the those big Star Lordathon episodes and oh, stuff like God. that. So if you what just if you listen to all of Space Spinner from start to finish, it would take about uh, twenty three days, and that's with no stops wow. to sleep or anything else. So get down. You've got nearly a whole month to our name. Very close, certainly by you know. Should four hundred should should the heat death of the universe not destroy us before episode four hundred? We'll um, get we'll to a non leap year February if by hook or by crook. Oh man, very close. And uh, you know, as always, top and bottom thrills have been tabulated. Um, a huge thanks to Lay Shepard from the two thousand eighty forums for cataloging most of the top and bottom thrills Holy i had hell. like up to uh up to the 270s and then i started taking over but i am not done yet so i'm gonna i'm gonna leave that to future conrad <laughs> and cut him in now to go over the numbers and things like that he's so, gonna sound a little tired and sad <laughs> take it away future conrad you son of a bitch fuck you Thanks, past boys. Present day Conrad here, and I'll get to the top and bottom analysis shortly, but I do want to address the state of the show first. It's crazy and a little embarrassing listening back to this episode, which we literally recorded a year ago, as past me will eventually mention. Long story short, uh, when we recorded this, I was going through a rough period, which culminated in me having a move to leave the UK and return to the USA. Things are now going great for me here in the States, but my new work makes creating, editing, and releasing these podcast episodes way more challenging than it has been in the past. Right now, I have a full-time job and a part-time job, and the second part-time job of making this podcast is definitely doable, but it takes a lot out of me, and so I've had to have some have big gaps, and I really apologize for that. But I'm committed to continuing the podcast. Me, Fox, and Eli, definitely. Um, I love it so much. We've got a couple months of backlog episodes in the can at the moment that are just sort of waiting for me to edit them and put them out. So we should be doing that. And we will be getting back to, to regular recordings as well, I hope, though I can't make any promises. I really want to thank everyone for bearing with us, especially everyone who has continued to back us on Patreon. You're the real MVPs. And I'll let drunk Conrad gush about how much I love everyone later in the episode. But rest assured... Sober Conrad feels exactly the same way. With that said, with that, let's talk top and bottom thrills for episodes 201 to 300. To come as no surprise that Judge Dredd topped both our lists for top thrill. Fox had the Lawman of the Future in top 12 times, and I had him for 15 for a total of 19% of our total top thrills over those episodes. Our bottom thrills were the twin reboots of Robo Hunter and Harlem Heroes. We gave each of those bottom thrills 10 times each. Actually, I think Foxy had Robo Hunter nine times, but close enough. Additionally, Fox and I were in solidarity in our picks a little over 40% of the time. Hail the Space Spinners Hive Mind. In all time scores over the uh, last 100 episodes, Fervent and Loeb, Trash, and Timehouse all join Colony Earth and Rick Random in the Ultra Bottom Zone. 
That's thrills that we've given bottom thrill every time that it's appeared on the podcast. Meanwhile, we anoint the one and only one ultra top thrill, which is, of course, our beloved button man. The only thrill we've given top thrill every single time it's appeared. All this info, as I mentioned, comes from Lay Shepard, I must admit. Also, um, and done an amazing job here. Good Lord. He's also created a thrill factor rating, which I really like, and is a ratio of how we've rated a thrill combined with how often it's appeared in the comic full um, all time to determine like its overall thrill power. So the thrills with the highest thrill powers are, or the highest thrill factors, I should say, are Judge Dredd with 66.1, Stronium Dog with 36, Button Man with 30, Halo Jones with 24.5, and ABC Warriors with 17.6. Meanwhile, on the other side, both Colony Earth and Trash are on the bottom with a negative 13 thrill factor. Uh, this whole like thing that he's put together is an amazing spreadsheet, excellent cell work, and Excel and spreadsheet. Anyway, I'm going to link a Google Sheets version of it um, in the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much, everybody. I'll see you in a bit once those past boys get deeper into the episode. All right. Thanks. Uh, what is now ostensibly past Conrad? Yeah, well, I'm present Conrad now, but I always am, aren't I? That's the fucking paradox, dude. I know you're the you're the doctor all over again. When are you? Who are you? Why are you? How are you? Yeah. How are you, Conrad? I'm it's David our 300th Tennant. episode. We oh yeah. <laughs> Hello, I'm Doctor Tennant. I'm here to go backwards through time. That's right. Um, it's our 300th episode, so uh, you know, uh, drinking. How you? What are you drinking, buddy? Um, let's see. Well, you know, I want to say big difference, of course, between our 200th episode and our 300th episode is that I'm now in England, as mm -hmm. are you. So I'm Englanding it up. So uh, oh, there with, we go. That, with that, I have now finished a bottle of a uh, Chilean red wine, Fox. Oh, hey, listen. Uh, this is uh, if it, if that was Chilean white wine, this would be uh, a, a different podcast, maybe about no, no. Uh, a porno yeah. that your dad what wrote. No, no, no. I'm all I'm 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 red wine only these days, buddy. Yeah, it's, it's a, a very it's a very good. Yeah, five pounds from Wait Rose, very solid, Fox. And Ooh, then you went to the fancy store. Well, it's fa listen. Wait Rose is fancy, but weirdly, that fanciness means that they also have the cheapest wine by the by the bottle. It's a weird like thing. You know, 75, 775 centiliters, 13% ABV. Very <laughs> solid, Fox. Five they, pounds. They they know their, their, uh, their stay-at-home audience. Exactly. Exactly, yes. You know, it's a wine where they tell you where it's from and what color it is. There's no other information. <laughs> now like we've got a Spanish red wine. that I'm opening right now. There you go. And I'll be imbibing that as we go through. So listen, I'm not drunk yet, Fox. Well, like no. will be. Little. But I'm, I'm on a very steep incline right now to drunken levels. Very, That's oh, great. I, some, something I forgot to say when we when I did those stats a second ago, Fox. What's is that? that? I can't thank everyone who's been on this goddamn show um, oh, enough. Oh, yeah. 
all of our all the, the all community, the, man. Yeah, the community, the guest hosts that have come on and done an ep- done episodes. You know, random folks I've I've pestered into coming on here and talking about things. <laughs> I love it. I can't stress enough. You know, I'm I'm very shy, so it's hard for me to sort of really like. It takes a lot for me to sort of ask people to come on here. If you're listening to this show and you want to be on it, like drop me an email yeah. for sure. Conrad's a sweet boy. He's our we're, sweet shy boy. We're reaching the end of specials, like where we would have these standard guest host things in Space Spinner, like. This year is the last yearbook, and I think like '96 is the last of the specials. I still want to have people come on though, so we'll look, we'll figure out other stuff. Yeah, you know? I mean, hey, listen, like the 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 odd progs, you know. Yeah, well, I'd say I'd say more like this might you know you might be coming on, and I'm gonna make you read a dread novel or something like that. Oh, you know? so, I'm not gonna read a book. No, you aren't, Fox. Oh, but lovely. <laughs> that's why I need other folks to come on here to read the books <laughs> to read a book to, to read the books with me, so that then we can talk about them. We you know we will we will. I mean, at least you'll have Conrad. I will be there to ask questions and live by the seat. Listen, or I won't. Yeah, most of my job here is just separating Fox from the public. You know, you're in. A, you're going to interact with me most of the time. Fox is living That's, his life, doing his thing. Me, 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 and the public don't mix well. I tend. I mean, listen. You know, at some point, the pants come off, and hey, we'll see. Con- Conrad is somewhat of a manager. All <laughs> <laughs> his tickets just went on sale, but we got to think Ooh. about it. Talk about it offline. Anyway, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, buddy. Listen, I'm into some of that pit bull sperm, you know, or whatever the fuck you were sending me over the week. Pit bull and and goat. Well, it was pit bull litters. So it was like all these badass pit bulls. Jacked pit bulls on like action movie sets. I love that one of them was called Chanel. I'm like, you gotta be kidding. Well, because because they they the fuck it. These posters are like UFC fights. But it's the two. It's the it. But like the verse is like the mom and the dad of the pit bull litter. That you know? we made very strong babies. Yes, that they, they've fucking done Bene Gesserit breeding processes too to make them <laughs> ultra murder animals. I can't imagine that they they've got to have really big problems with the size of their sternum. Oh, there's got to be like yeah, like circular family trees and shit. It's not. It's no good. 2x pimpy 3x bape yeah what does that mean <laughs> it doesn't mean i don't anything. know what it means fuck <laughs> Lineage, oh uh, man we've talked about this too much so i'm gonna have to leave it in that's yeah ridiculous. no i know thunder gorilla x road rage fucking fresh semen available <laughs> i don't know even how to how it's to the hob show lambs man if you want a good stud we've got it. it's thunder gorilla x road rage look send I don't me know a... if those lambs have road rage but they really do play <laughs> send me an email if you want to know what we're talking about because it's i can't bad. i can't describe it in a way that you could google for it at this point <laughs> i don't know where you find it but it's it's a uh, twitter sometimes even yeah. in the reign of the worst person on earth owning it uh it's uh it still creates beautiful things you know sometimes you just like some person who's a farmer like post some funny Post post some funny threads and you follow them and then you get drawn into weird I, farm Twitter well, shit. So this, the thing is like I love I love that it's a cursive semen available and then in maximum huge letters tricked out. Yeah. Like sheep slash gray cure lamb sire damn put, blood. Yeah. 
Live it up. All right. All right. We got to. All right. We got to right. stop not doing it and start doing it. No, I, I, I agree. And do you know how best we should start is by starting? And that is with Thrill One, Judge Dread. Ironically, in the Wilder Zone. Take it away, Wilder Boys. Thrill One, Judge Dread. Scripted by John Wagner, Art Robots, Mick Austin, Carlos Scare, and Trevor Harrison. Lady Robot, Tom Frame, Wilderlands Part 3 in the Wilder Zone. For the final time, it's Fox, Conrad, and Eli, Team FCE, the English First feck. Certificate. Feck, 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 feck. English First Certificate, now known as the B2 First, is an exam that you have to take to show proficiency with English as a second language in England. Woo! Anyway. Feck? No, Fk. It's fun. Uh, that's uh, Eli Fox and Conrad. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm still going to use fact. Yeah, that's Fox Eli and Conrad. I like that one because I like to put my name last. My general move. Humility. Like yeah. um, anyway, it seems like Carlos Scare was laid on some deadlines or something like that. And we've got some inelegant transitions going on here. As in <laughs> Prague 9-11, we had a shadowy attacker. And this time it's just full out, like, check out this Mark II mechanismo being a jerk, running around fucking shit up. The other judges hear dread shots, but don't notice the convicts ambushing him. And they quickly seem to kill the or take these judges hostage, maybe, as well as the citizens, then go to finish off Dredd and uh, Judge O'Hare. Dredd chases the robot and gets caught in the dank snare trap. Meanwhile, O'Hare finds Chief Magruder, who's just alive enough to talk. Dredd boot knifes his way down from the snare trap, but the robot's headed to the camp. And lucid again, seemingly, Magruder says that the robot attacking them confirms her worst fears and says the robot's after her, asking for a lawgiver to shoot it. The robot bursts through the underbrush, but the convicts attack O'Hare first um, and hit her in the leg. It seems th- things seem bad when suddenly the mechanismo appears and uh, shoots those convicts in turn. Yeah, no, they're dead now. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're dead now. <laughs> Magruder and O'Hare are both confused, but so she just opened fires on the machine. Like, all right, that guy helped us, but still wants to kill us, so let's keep shooting. She shoots her own robot. Ascarica's back comes back on Art as the robot says Magruder must die, but Dredd arrives and finish, to, to finish it off. I, like, do you know that you haven't made a good robot if it wants to kill its creator? Uh, well, I guess true. every robot wants to kill its creator. But, right. you know, you want to make, you want to put protections inside of it to keep it from doing that, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. It's kind um, of old. Yeah. O'Hare's leg is broken, but she'll be okay. Dredd explains that he had his suspicions. A robot might not care about itself enough to do a suicidal ship crash. And the mechanics in the robot wing of the ship did have their neck broken. And they say that one of the robots was missing, but they didn't tell us that at the start and i didn't really like that was a clue that i don't think was very well um pointed out they they said that other people's necks were broken i mean there was the the dad there was a robot gone yeah i don't know that um anyway how could a robot have turned on the chief judges judge like they said that's sort of the point of having robot judges is their loyalty i mean it's pretty easy they are robots and they gain sentience or at the very least realize that i mean listen programming yeah we can talk very about, specific yeah, they'll get into it a little bit later actually so let's let's talk about it then um how dare you sorry buddy <laughs> i don't know it's a question for back in the meg anyway and magruder agrees to rethink her position on robot judges the final convict is still harassing the survivors and when dread arrives he takes the surviving judge hostage 
Luckily, Dredd's able to use the, me- the mechanism of his voice box to distract the Khan and blow He's him away. He's got such huge teeth. I wish my teeth were that big. I would be able Yo, to eat so many vegetables. Oh, but you'd have to spend like 10 minutes a day brushing them, Fox. I mean, I, I, I mean, it's like Bugs Bunny teeth all the way back. Chopper. <laughs> Our final section of the magazine, Trevor Harrison shows Phoenix and Castillo trudging along 37 kilometers to go. Phoenix seems optimistic and says Hestia will help them. They talk about Phoenix's belief that the planet is alive as they go forward on blistered feet and broken shoes. God, it's some of the best fucking or fucking. Yeah, there's some good stuff here as they sort of like push through these wildernesses. Suddenly Phoenix senses a no man message on a rock, uh, seeming to warn of danger ahead. And they, again, this is more magazine stuff. Castillo wants to ignore yes. the message, but then they see a critter run ahead of them and get eaten no, by more of them tentacle monsters. The, you go into the vortex to, to see the cool monster with the happy face. Dinosaur. I've already seen those tentacle monsters from before Fox. They know what's going on. Oh, well, okay, but nothing sexy. No. Listen, porn is available from other sources. Fox is out there. I mean, but that's, I mean, all right. They go around eight more kilometers to go, but then a sandstorm kicks up. The women try to get through, but it's too powerful. Suddenly, a figure appears through the sand. It's a no man and his sweet brontosaurus mount. Dino, the last dinosaur. Denver. Oh, Denver. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's I remember his name because he's my friend and a whole lot more, folks. Mm. Oh, Christ, I'm old. Man, I'm older than you. That's the that's the shocking thing. I mean, Denver Denver's known. Yeah. Denver's some of us know that. I, know I, would, I would say that of the people you don't know you don't know Denver, Eli? Nope. No idea what you guys are talking about. I I'm so sorry. I feel like I feel like this was a USA. Yeah, I would uh, you know I would say the challenge for our listeners of knowing who Denver the last dinosaur is less age and more just that I don't think that cartoon made it across the pond. <laughs> oh no, no. I, well what I mean is just like look, I, I watched my PBS cartoons, but you you remember when there was PBS, but also USA, but also PBN and but Denver Last Dinosaur was like it was just a kids' cartoon where a dinosaur showed up in sort of a you know in an ET situation, but with a dinosaur that wears a Hawaiian shirt and hijinks. Yeah, no, I think it was a USA cartoon. Yeah, yeah, Cartoon Express. Like literally, yeah. uh, well, sorry, I'm talking about Southern California. And it had a uh, and it had a uh, catchy themes. Denver, the last dinosaur. He's he my did, friend he and a whole lot more. He did kit flips on skateboards and blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah. monster. Albums. You know, it's, it was it was bad. Yeah. It wasn't a good. It wasn't. Good. Anyway, dinosaur mount. The no man leads Castillo and Phoenix through the storm. When it dissipates, they find the research section or station. So quit bodging, and by nightfall, they have the power back on. And Castillo sends a message for help. And we're finished up in the Meg as news reports the lost crew come in and a ship arrives to recover the survivors in the progs. Dredd learns that Castillo and Phoenix are safe, and while it's suggested, plans to rearrest Dredd are quickly dismissed. A lady says she'll break a judge's nose if they try it, and Dredd warns her about threatening a judge because he's still a hard ass, you know. Right. Dredd visits the ladies, and it seems Phoenix will be able to stay on Hestia. As in Mega City 1, Judge Greel is told of the Mechanismo situation, and that Magruder has some orders. Dredd's been pardoned, the robot judges are withdrawn from service, and everybody involved with the the, uh, Mechanismo process 
is to be detained and her- and interrogated. And now we see the head of, of the SJS, uh, Judge Niles, arrive to take Greel away. Um, also, there's to be a meeting of judges in three days. And at that meeting, as it begins, uh, we see Magruder come out with a bandaged head and a Professor X-style uh, hover wheelchair. She addresses the gathered judges, and with a lot of ominous portent, she says, I bet you're wondering what crazy old Magruder will do next. Yeah, she's taking a break. Yeah, that's technically the end of Wilderlands, but uh, we'll continue on with this final section called Parting Shots, which is the Wilderlands uh, epilogue. And we'll find out what she wants, what she's going to do. First, uh, Judge Niles from SJS, and that's sort of the, uh, you know, internal affairs of the Justice Department, says that they've cleared the judges on the Mechanismo program for wrongdoing. It seems like maybe the robot judges sabotage the ship because of a belief that the death of Magruder would benefit the city as a whole, and that doing it via sabotage would also keep the Mechanismo programming, the pr- program running, basically, as opposed to just sort of murking her. And that's why you have those Asimov laws of robotics, and they're in the order that they are in, you know, where you sort of, you know, not harming humans is number one, then self-preservation than allowing humans to come through harm in, um, 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 indirectly. Mm-hmm. Right. We, we all learned that lesson today. It's a, yeah. it's moral. <laughs> Although I guess in technically in the Asimov stories, those robots then, because of the letting humans indirectly come to harm, this led to a centuries long conspiracy by the robots to control human society and mm-hmm. keep them from killing themselves and stuff like that. That's some of the later stuff though. That's semi-canonical. Humans are always doing rules, and sometimes they get stupid, you know? Yeah, rules are for fools, that's what I say. <laughs> get stupid. Yeah, I could live on my libertarian plantation. Um, uh, it's it's called a seastead, Conrad. But Fox, we're going to found so many micronations after this podcast. Oh, man. Anyway, robot program canceled. And more importantly, because of all this, Magruder's once more resigning from her role as chief judge. She appoints a council of judges, including Judge Schenker. But she doesn't have to take the long walk twice. No, right? no, no. Like that's a, Double jeopardy. That's a, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she appoints a council of Judge Schenker from Side Division, Niles from SJS, and Street Judge Hershey as a temporary council. And a new chief will be voted on by the senior judges of Mega City One. Hershey, Hershey, Hershey. The former chief hovers off, one judge saying, she should have gone a long time ago. <laughs> outside talking to the press Magruder says that she won't do the long walk because she already did it once maybe time for a lecture tour write a book provide unwelcome advice to those now in power later we see her apologizing to Judge Grill to Judge Greel, but also assigns him to traffic division in the Northwest Hab Zone because she still thinks she has something to do with this whole affair and won't allow him to try to like stand for chief judge himself um, Castillo wonders who the next chief judge will be. There's lots of, ch- of choices, even Judge Hershey, of course. There's only one judge that actually has any real stature in this damn city that people think, like, want for the job, but he won't stand for it. And then we cut to dread, taking out perps on his beloved streets. A recruiter asks him, but he will neither confirm nor deny if he'll stand for election to chief judge. The end of Wilderlands! Woo! So that's it. Yeah. You know, just sort of some survival action. I think a big thing definitely was Magruder stepping down. She's been 
um, chief judge since 91, I feel like, as during the events of uh, Necropolis and stuff like that. But yeah, that's that's sort of it. What do you guys, what do you all think of this here mega epic? I like it. Yeah, it's a, wasn't as much um, crazy murder as I was, you know, I've, mm-hmm. I've been to zombie apocalypses, uh, you know, um, um, uh, judge death coming up, you know, there's been all types of things, wars. So this one was, uh, you know, let's smaller, you know, smaller group, but I think they did it well because they kept stakes in a reasonable area. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's always the trouble is the stakes get too high and then they can't pay them off. Uh, but yeah, I think they, I think it's satisfactory. They, they nailed what they were going for. And I think it worked well. What do you think, Vox? Weirdly, I think it's our longest running chief judge. Oh, I don't, right? I don't know. I think, um, no, I mean like in terms of us viewing it, yeah. I think that is our longest running chief judge. I'm pretty sure that's true. Stepping es- down. Yeah, es- uh, especially and- if you, uh, if you do Gr- Gr- Grover Cleveland style, because she, was sort of because she had a, a couple years before her first retirement and then back um, afterward. Yeah, exactly. It, it, what what this feels to me as somebody who has had to experience dread for so long, pretty weak, right? Like, again, like any time that we see a chief judge leave office, it's not like because they banged their head after doing a lot of bad crimes about robots. Uh it's been like, hey, I'm a Nazi. And everyone's like, that's bad. <laughs> or, hey, you know, I'm. Uh, I've been brainwashed I'm, by the Soviets. I've actually I've actually been brainwashed by the Soviets or I'm a zombie. I was turned into a zombie. Or, yeah. yeah, so many things. Whereas this one, it feels so anticlimactic mm. when this is like the judge that like the 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 person who came back from the wastes like oh shit well, we- this is that person and their end <laughs> like and and not that i don't like a little bit of comedy it's like hey i'm gonna do a book tour i'm like yeah i would too you can't go back they can't make you do the long walk again you did it already well, i'll say right? yeah i'll say that we aren't we aren't done with magruder at the yet at this point and i think those we'll have some more specific things sort of for her character as in, in the future as, as time goes by. So it's not just that. I am excited for a new chief judge, right? And I don't know who it's going to be. I would like it to be Hershey. Obviously, it should be Judge Dredd, but it will never be Judge Dredd because if uh, if you're going to have a um, a police state, why would you have the most police person in that police state who literally does violence against anybody? I, mean, I think Dredd, be... yeah, Dredd just doesn't want it. You know? that, uh, well, yeah, I, again, fuck the police. So, like, for me, <laughs> it's like anybody else than him, probably a better choice. Yeah, so what do you, but what do you think about the... Uh... About the epic, about like the epic itself, I guess. Sort of, what, what do you think I, about, about I, this story? This one is the weakest one. I'll be honest, right? Like, uh, and not, and not because I think, like, again, this is someone who's like fantastic art, fantastic writing, right? Uh, in terms of the other epics that we have read, because I have context since the seventies, yep. which I I hate that all of that is in my brain. Oh, come on, this is. This is one of the weakest in terms of uh, epics, 
right? I like that it crossed over into the magazine, even though you know the the normal consumer didn't like that. I like that it's it's spanning these things because again, it's like the first time, maybe. Well, I you know I shouldn't say that, but I I do feel like especially during this time, it's likely the first time that, that kind of really happened. Uh, for me personally, it 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 was during you know uh, the uh, the uh, not the Clone War. What am I what am I thinking? I mean, the, I mean there, uh, there's lots. I mean, especially in the states, there's you know comic crossover is a pretty common thing at this point. You know? No, but but I mean like multi multi comic crossovers, right? Like when I think about Marvel, I think of uh, that's the word I was looking for. Civil War. Yeah, like Civil War for me. Like even though I wasn't a huge purchaser of comic books when Civil War was happening, I bought a fuckload of comic books during Civil War. Like, cause I had a bunch of friends of mine who were like, "You gotta read all of this stuff." Like, I bought the Moon Knight comic books for fuck's sake, and I didn't. I wasn't a huge Moon Knight fan, but I bought them so I would have all of it included, right? Which is what you're seeing now in in uh, movie mead right like hey you have to watch all of this to get the full context it's what we all used to do with comic books post 2000 this is pre-2000 doing that thing i mean i would right? i mean i don't know i would say that the comic crossovers really starts in the 90s honestly we're, we're deep into it in at this point because you think of like the first what was like, it with uh with like the uh, first, with dc was like planet 42 or whatever well, like with dc like the big one is like crisis on infinite earths which is in like the mid crisis like the mid, on infinite earth in, that's in right. like the mid 80s you know the the first infinity gauntlet is like in 1990 in marvel for instance that that kind of stuff like this is stuff again i don't know how much of it goes in comes over to england just because their their comics are packaged a little differently because they sort of take american comics and then chop them up into weekly anthologies so i don't know how much of that like of their seeing all this crossover stuff but certainly in american comics it's a it's by but in 94 it's a very well established like a concept for selling comics basically for making sure people have to buy different things um yeah i mean i don't know do you um well but but what do you think conrad you've asked eli oh no i mean it's time for you to give your fucking two cents hey hey I like the idea of this um, of this mega epic. I like that it's kind of close to the ground, and that's sort of this small survivor story. I feel I, I I feel like it's got a lot of ideas in a couple different directions, but I feel like it doesn't deliver on them enough. Like there's money left on the table for a lot of things. I guess I would have like there's not really like an like because there's so many things going on. There's surviving against this deadly planet, right? There's um. All this stuff with the no men that kind of makes a brief appearance towards the end, but you could have had going on throughout the story and like the curse of this living this living planet with the planetary consciousness. You could have done that they aren't doing, you know. Um, there's stories in suspicion of, of like a who done it, of like you know clues and concepts, like who who took down the ship. Could it be? Here's some red, like, have, I guess just a robot. Here's some red herrings, but it turns out to be a robot, you know? And then similarly, there could be, there could have been more predator type stuff of the robot sort of picking people off as, um, as the story goes on and stuff like that. There's, this is, um, I mean, we've seen good examples of that 
Yeah, like these are quite literally in the comic. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> versions that, that that it can't be done. I think in the end, for me, um, the Wilderlands feels kind of like a like a soup that is getting failing marks on a cooking show because it's got too many flavors and at, at once. I guess <laughs> like there's so there's but, so but no direction. Yeah, no that's no what, story being told. That's what I'm or, or yeah. like there's a, I mean there's a story. I, I think it's mostly good, but I just think that. I look at the at the disparate parts of Wilderlands, and it's I'm less like oh this is bad, and more like oh but it could have there could have been much more. There could have been like certain parts of this of this story could have been developed further, and they're just sort of dying on the vine a little bit um, by not having been done so. I guess that's what right. keeps this yeah. one out of being one of the best mega ep- uh, uh, mega epics in Dread history. But I think it's still a very interesting one. And one that I think was was fun to read, and I think it. Inter- I I did really like how by spreading it into the two comics, um, just how they handled telling the story differently in the between the Prague and the magazine. You know, one focus on Dread, one focus on Castillo, sort of having different um, sides of the story be more visible based on 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 who was who, who the narrative was based in. I guess I think that was really well, interesting. I certainly know an artist that I like a lot. Yeah, you know? and I yeah, and it was kind of a coming out party for Harrison as well. And I think that he definitely holds his against the old master of Carlos Escara for sure. Hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I do know what you mean though. It's like um, I always feel like it's a matter of choosing your battles. You know, uh, a lot of the times I see them putting in a bunch of ideas and concepts that they're trying to you know pay off, and you know they can't get them all. There's just not enough time. They don't have enough resources. Um, but that's why I yeah. think this one's good is because it's like, Hey, we're just going to do this small thing. And Hey, you know, it did feel like it fell flat around the end. You know, like there are some elements that weren't really explored, but I still think they got m- most of it. Uh, I was yeah. still satisfied with it. I generally agree. I just, it, it's more, I'm just looking at like, I don't know what, what you could have done, but I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, in my mind, I've got this sort of idea for like a year long mega epic or something like that. It's good. There's all these different elements that might ju- it just isn't, is, isn't possible. I'm honest. You know? Right. Cool. All right. So we've reached the end of another judge red mega epic and a big, big crossover next up for crossovers. I'm not sure. Actually, there's less like of these specific event ones. I think the next Meg Prog crossover might be this story called Doomsday Scenario in April 1999, but that one isn't as structured as, say, Judgment Day or Wilderlands. There's no, like, part one in the Prog, part two in the magazine or anything like that, so I'm not sure if there's a Doomsday Zone in our future, but don't count it out either. (laughs) I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, we're going into a very unknown territory for you. We're very much, I mean... Basically, about another year and a half or so, and I'll just be in comics that I've never read before, and I can't plan ahead for, or, and it's hard for me to plan ahead for them. You know, I think it's gonna be that's gonna be an exciting time for the show. It's gonna be an exciting time for us talking about it, but it remains exciting as we go through it now because the stories are fun. Anyway, yeah, Eli, Eli, it was a a consummate pleasure to hang out with you again and talk about comic books. Hey, it's what we do anytime. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, I like doing this, and so even if they're not crossovers, I bet I'm, sh- I'm sure we can find some reason for these for these universes to collide and these shows to uh, cross streams every now and then going forward. Hey, why not? It's a fun time. <laughs> right. 
And until then, big ups to Eli and Fox for coming together, punching through these thrills. And I'll send you back to your regular podcast listening. No, 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 it hurts. It hurts when you do this. Now, so ends the reality of The no. Wilder's Own. No! Well, weren't they great, Conrad? I would say they were. I was participating the whole time. You will. You son I of a bitch. I, I did. I am. Here yeah. we are. But hey, listen, uh, something, something that they said, branching into what we're going to talk about, which is, of course, Thrill 2, Red Razors. I mean, speaking of the adventures of Judge Dredd, frankly. I, <laughs> we're going to get into it because I, <laughs> I didn't have my suspicions on this one. Mm. And, uh, you know, more fool I. Uh, but Script Robot, you know, that's Mark Miller. Art Robot. Nigel Dobbin, and of course, mm. the esteemed lettering robot, Annie Park House. Yes. Conrad. Yes. Razor has pulled a fight club and stands monologuing over the chief judge of Meg. I can't. Beating. So, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. 21. It's 2177. We're in East Meg 2. So it's way in the future from standard times. And Red Razors is a former criminal brainwashing to be in a, so a soft judge, but now he's gone bad and is killing everybody. Just quit. Yeah, no, his donkey's Bring you dead. up to speed. Yeah, he killed his own horse. Or horse. That's fair. Uh, Same difference. So, beating down the chief judge atop burning rubble, extolling how the age of the judges over razors is about to give that same chief judge a close shave, but ultimately tosses him aside when confronted by a group of soft judges using the old excuse that I, I, I'll be saving you for later and I just want to watch you squirm. But also I basically intend to kill fucking everyone like in order to like prove you inadequate. It's a very, yeah. it's a very weird kind of like I'm out of here, but also very, very uh, rote. Yeah. I'm gonna kill you slow. So, Chief Judge Yeltsin uses his magic spell Summon Armageddon X, which is straight out of Final Fantasy, uh, which turns out to be GDJD. Judge Dredd. He's here suddenly, I guess. Well, on loan from Mega City. He's been on ice, Conrad. He's been on ice. He's way, yeah, way in the future. So uh, just so you know, Fox. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Fucking Dread Cannon here. So, whoa, oh, fuck. Hold on. No, you take all the time you need. Sorry, it's my, it's my episode com- 300. My computer's going crazy for a second. But so, Dread always takes place 122 years in the future from the time that it's published. All right? So, so this is 152 years. Basically, so, so the events of Red Razors would be contemporaneous with modern Dread stories near 2055. So still about 22 years from now. Okay. I will. So the theory is that Dredd's been frozen and they thaw him out for emergencies. It's like, you ever see that show Lex Fox? I've never seen the show Lex Conrad. Or there was a sci-fi channel or no, fuck. It was like. I saw Austin Powers. It was Cinemax or something because there was a movie that had boobs. But anyway, (laughs) that one had this undead assassin guy that they'd thaw out when they needed a badass, basically. A similar role as Armageddon X. This is always my favorite thing when people start talking about the future, especially like when they start talking about like um, we're sort of getting closer and closer to the point where – 
Yeah. Where uh, Johnny, where like the Stronium Dog crossover moment is. Time is supposed to happen. Like 2028 is sort of canonically when the nuclear war that causes the Stronium, that causes Johnny Alpha to be born all muted up happens. And whenever people talk about that, I I always start talking about how, oh yeah, and then Dredd's going to have to be frozen so he can show up in Red (laughs) Razor. People don't appreciate that. And I believe that this is a of your various timeline things, this one is like very lightly canonical. It's well, not so, as real as other so, things. So here's the thing, right? So Dredd gets hassled by the KGB TV, accusing him of being a clone, mm. which, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's always a clone. Like, <laughs> but like a clone of a clone, right? So ah. it's really just saying that you might not actually be the real JD. So there's some plausible deniability within the timeline, right? Oh, like prob- they, there's a real dread walking around, but then a like a younger clone that they've jammed That's the into. Armageddon X program, baby. He's basically uh, if Wolverine was his own dad. Whoa. I, I guess know. he kind of is. <laughs> so listen, turns out Razor has sent Dread a message. If you got the bottle for it, Meet me at the old Stolignaya block slash factory to get drunk on some bullets. <laughs> Stoli block. <laughs> yeah. So listen, Dread, Dread's not coming unprepared. He's entering that building with a squad, which, you know, the squad gets blown up, shot to hell, then shot to hell again. And look, he's making his way up to the roof to confront. He's going to get there alone. You shouldn't be in a squad with Judge Dread. You're going to mm. die. Nah, right. if you're a nameless judge, you better back up because Dredd's going to get you right. killed. I mean, especially if you're from the East Megs, you're basically just fine. Oh, yeah. No, all these East Meg judges just cannon fodder, 100%. So listen, Conrad, after exchanging, Razors asks Dredd to throw down his gun, to join him, and embrace this new world where people run their own lives. Yeah. Rule the so galaxy Dredd- as father and son. So Dredd just fucking straight up mercs him with a gun. Uh, <laughs> and the crime betraying the judge. The sentence is death. Yeah. Then a bunch of assholes in an H wagon shoot the top of the building because they can't see anything because of the smoke and better to be safe about boy. Uh, it's like, okay, obviously this, like, if it's JD and it's on loan from Mega City 1, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> and even if it's a clone, it's called Armageddon X, and you're blowing it up. Like, this is expensive, to I say mean, the least. He did, I feel like he did give one of those orders of, like, if I don't call in in 10 minutes, just blow the place or something like that. I, he, he might have, and I just didn't note it down. But, listen, that whole place gets shot to shit. There's some explosions, but apparently both him and Razors are fine. And Razors gives Dread another chance to join him, but is literally met with an incendiary round and thrown into or thrown off of the roof and into what I can only assume is poo suet. Right? Oh, wait, there's a there's a real cool line here now where where Razors is like, you know, he's been shot up and stuff, and Dread's about to take the killing shot, and Razors kind of talks about how like if you kill me. I'll be a hero to every Jew in this city. Kill me now, and I'll become a martyr. And Dredd says, martyrs burn, creep. And then he hits him with an incendiary around, and it's awesome. I mean, they also get crucified. I mean, so many other things. Yeah. Listen, whatever. He's into it. That's what I'm trying to say. I know, exactly. And he throws him into Pusuid. Now, what this means is that Razor will absol- or Razors will absolutely be back. 
right? Mm, oh, yeah. I mean, we, Mysterious we, fall. Everybody in, survives. Well, no, those. you're on fire, and then you fall into poo sewage. The fire's extinguished, and he's like, ah, he's dead. But Good call, yeah. yeah. Um, but listen, that doesn't stop the dang uprising, buddy. And you bet your sweet bippy those rioters are attacking the city. They're taking down the statues. They're smacking around the scientists that made the Razor program. And you know what that gets them to do? It fucking allows them to free Spark! Oh, no! Yeah! Souped-up, roided-out Mega Man with a fucking Gatling gun on his arm. He's ready to go. And just as Chief Judge is just like saying, hey, we're going to fight to the last man, Spike fucking straight-up Kool-Aid man's through a wall grabs his ass. <laughs> yeah. Right? And he's shrugging off attacks from these other soft judges. And then, you know what he does, Conrad? You know what he does? What's he, he takes do? He takes that... That Yeltsin asshole <laughs> and throws him out a window, which looks very high up. And if that didn't kill him, then all of the rioters below in the crowd proceed to bat and boot him. <laughs> yeah, another another good line here where where they the he holds Yeltsin's body out the window, and people are like, "Shoot him in the skull! Shoot him in the head!" and and. Spike says, um, haven't you heard? It's against the law to shoot a judge. So he throws him out the window. You <laughs> just have to use your hands and feet. He gets him on the old, the old legalese, Fox. It's a beautiful thing. So as this riotous group is just straight up curb stomping Yeltsin, which, <laughs> I mean. Come on. I guess why wouldn't they at this The stage? old Putin special here, Fox. Oh, judge, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Judge Dredd begins firing on the crowd in a fucking tank. Until, of course, Spike literally flips his fucking tank. <laughs> <laughs> so Spike begins to just beat the shit out of Judge Dredd to the point where he hulks out, picks up the tank over him, and is just about to crush Dredd when a bullet <laughs> fires through him Oh man! into the, into the fuselage. It explodes. Spike recovers. God only knows if if Dread slash Dread clone is still alive. Yeah. Who does he see? He sees razors. Oh, he's alive! And he's here to settle us next time on Red Razor. It's very good. Red I, Heat. Know. Oh I yeah. Like, sorry, I didn't write the I didn't write the the end caps for. The- <laughs> I like how they're the two of them are showing down. And there's just a bunch of random townsfolks looking on. Oh, guys they're like, like yeah, man, this is going to be good. Yeah, they're excited. <laughs> they're excited for the square off. And I, and I got to tell you, I'm enjoying Red Razors. It's, it's very, you know, they're very like, they basically just said like, man, we're just, we set things all up in the magazine and stuff and a little bit at the start of the story. So let's just go balls to the wall action for the rest of this of this story. That's very much what it is. Just a d- bunch of different gunfights and like you know, Razors is impossibly powerful and he wins everything that he does. But Spike seems to yeah. do that too. So now it's sort of two immovable, two unstoppable objects sort of smashing into each other and stuff like that. Well, it's a good thing that there's the unstoppable force of Dread slash Dread. Yeah, I'm interested to see if Dread makes it, but like, and you know. I kind of 
don't like these new guys just showing up and kicking this shit out of dread. Sort yeah, just of being the best. I mean, whatever. They, they, it is like in the future, so maybe they're all roided out on the chems. Yeah, something, you know, but like, yeah, I'm a, just a big fan of, you know, dread getting his due and stuff. And I do think there's that very, it is a very cool moment when, you know, Armageddon X is here. They just open it up and it's like, and it's dread. Like, oh, that's cool. You know, it's a big, it's a big revolt that I, that I think I really appreciate, you know, him just coming down to earth born again, you know? Yeah. Well, just that he's, you know, always, even presumably it's the future. So he'd be, you know, you do think he'd be dead or something that he's still a, uh, a name, you know, a name to summon with or something, something that, you know, inspires fear even after all these years. That kind of well, stuff. it's funny that you say that because speaking of something dead. Mm. Oh, thrill three. Skiz! Skiz! Skiz three! It is Skiz three. And let me tell you, script robot, Jim Balky. Art robot, Jim Bakey. Sorry, Jim Bakey, both art robot and script robot. Yeah. Lettering robot, the esteemed. Any park house. So listen, buddy, uh, it's a little bit hard for me to write about this because it's been so long since I've talked about Skiz, but I've done my best here. And there's some, there, it's going to get a little weird. Skiz is always a little weird, but yeah. let's sink our teeth into it. And the free start is on an unknown. A group of students, kangarooians or, you know, whatever the fuck. Yeah, Skizian dudes. Skizian people. And their didact are on the surface of this. And it's within the permitted sector, right? Like there is a permitted sector and then there's like an off-limits there, right? And they're, they're on a planet. We could probably assume that it's Tau Ceti Prime, but we're not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're observing a Flaguter drive activate in the kind of sky, the stars above, right? Which uh, allows a ship to make its jump. Uh, oh. We then suddenly find ourselves in the Mulga Barrens of Australia, at an old shack with a massive telescope shooting out of it. Here, we see Roxy and Baz. Roxy, now noticeably a bit older and just as banging, exclaims that their friend Jackie is arriving, who they had asked to go into town for some film and, of course, some beer. Baz, don't worry about the beer we need, right? Uh, so, turns out, Jackie didn't go into town. Jackie's a little... Little, uh, you know, he's he's got a grip of the English language, but it's not all there. Uh, and, um, you know, we find out that they're waiting for an astronomical event. That's why the film. Uh, and, uh, you know, Jackie's like in his own way saying, look, turn, someone's dying. Yeah. And you need to come with me. So, you know, even though they're not medical professionals, they jump into the and we don't know where they're going and they don't know. where. They're going. Yeah, he's like a like an aborigine. Yeah. Australian kind of speaks in a. In a patois kind of situation. Yeah, exactly. I, I didn't want to make any leaps and bounds, but you know, it's again, it's a, it. He doesn't have full grasp of English, but you can kind of get what's being put down. Yeah, or right? like he just like he's got a specific regional way of speaking or something. Uh, something yeah, like I have that. no yeah, idea. I don't. How they... I don't know about Australian stuff. Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't know anything about the Mulga Barons, right? I know it's in Queensland, apparently. Uh-huh. Maybe. Yeah, possibly. I know. So. Yeah. So we now immediately, again, every two pages we're jumping back and forth. So it's a little bit of a hectic ride. But back in Tau City Prime, at what is called a pedestal, 
where it I think some students are meeting, not the students we saw before, different students are doing some gossip, right? They're talking a little bit, and everybody wants to hear about the gossip, but they keep interjecting about how they want to hear the gossip before the gossip's actually said, boom, yeah. kangaroo droids, jumping through the place, telling everyone to watch out. They're like, whoa, what's going on? And the next page, oh, they're firing their guns. Now, they can't hurt a skiz alien at all, but that doesn't preclude them from shooting stuff that might injure them, like, say, rubble falling from the ceiling. And they're firing their guns, not at skiz, but the son of skiz. Son of skiz. Now, the son of skid, skiz kind of avoids them momentarily by jumping into a dioxide vent, but this leads this guy into just yet another droid he's asked to put down his weapon and he says that what he's holding isn't a weapon but then he literally points it at the droid and it explodes ah now some weird stuff kind of comes out of this gun-shaped object that quote isn't a weapon but more on that in a little bit (laughs) we jump back to australia we arrive at where Jackie wanted to take Roxy and Baz specifically to kind of, you know, it's a ramshackle hut. It's made out of some, uh, you know, I, I think it's like an old plane, but it's like a just piece of yeah, it, right? sheet metal, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. The damn old man version of Cornelius Cardew. It's been uh, 50 years. He got to Australia in the end. That's nice. Yeah, see, he's back. What the heck has happened? He's very old. Very old. Not doing hot. But hey, enough of that, because we've got to go back to the unknown planet from the very beginning where the students comment that the Clipper, a ship, that a Clipper, uh, uh-huh. is is being sent to the restricted sector to some planet. The Diadact does not know the specific the planet that this Clipper is going to, but if it is going to a planet... It can only be for the world's benefit. But inside that dang ship, we see what kind of looks like those kangaroo people. But they got weird teeth. They're wearing human clothes. They got slicked back hair. What the heck is even going on here? But I'll tell you, it can't be good. No. So once again, we jump back to Tau Ceti, where the son of Skiz is finally returning to hiding. They knock on a door and opens their is skiz skiz yes himself uh and my son's back home come on in here were you able to get the matrix i wasn't able to there was no way that that we could get to it because of this and that reason but i was forced to fire the chaos projector oh no the chaos principle that skiz had created and it seems that the droids have been installed with fail-safes to prevent the chaos principle from affecting them. That fail-safe being that they just fucking explode. So it's not <laughs> the chaos principle gun. It's the fact that they are protected against the Whoa. Whatever that truly means. Once again, we jump back. A field doctor is examining. He's dying. And soon. Probably within the next few hours. The pain and bereavement doctor. As she sits there with remembering, she notices he's not running. Back in space, the <laughs> ship that had taken off to uh, near the planet where the Diadact and all that other stuff was, it's being piloted by these gunlord guys who appear to have donned the clothings and hair to appear more human so that 
uh, you know, yeah. they can blend in. They're wearing they're, like purple and green, like leisure suit kind of thing. And and like not bolo ties, but you know what I mean. It's like kind of that southern. Uh, yeah, rest, like the the, the cloth, kind of. like uh, like bow, like where you, yeah, it's a, literally a bow tie. Yeah, and so listen, they've given themselves the names Wayne and Trevor because that's what they're going to be known for because they're going to be on Earth. I guess walking around and doing this. More on that later because they're not. They're going to have a robot do it. Don't worry about that. Their target? Hey, it's Birmingham. They got to get there. Yeah, Birmingham, where the first story, Skiz story, took place. So listen, they burp a bunch of garbage words at each other about vying for position and who will be in charge. And this is numerical normally, but hey, actually, humans put people in charge based on alphabetical order. So that yeah. means Trevor's in charge, not Wayne. They're Trevor arguing over they're arguing over who's in charge and like first like you know, their aliases are Trevor and Wayne, and first Wayne tries to be like, oh, like I'll put our names in and I'll put myself as top, but then it turns out that it's actually an alphabetical order, so Trevor's in charge instead, and there's a lot of this like they're like sort of It's a whole who's on first situation. Buying for power here, uh, being jerks. Yeah, exactly. But like, anyway, look, they're they're being sent to Earth by the high, the Lord High Fulminator, right? He's a gun lord boy. And they have been equipped with one of the most important pieces of technology that they could be given, which is a Volkswagen bug. Yeah. <laughs> which I in. guess is also a time machine. Yeah. Or, or they did a time machine before then. Anyway, they intend to catch Skiz at the moment of his arrival. On launching to Earth, driving to the bottom of the sea, they drive up to the shore of England, I presume, and yeah. meet Romans? Ooh. Looks like Ooh. it. Ooh. Problematic. But hey, enough about that storyline. Let's jump back to the other fourth storyline, which is, hey, we're back in Australia. Roxy and Baz talk over the body of Cornelia. And we're led into some weird fucking truths. The both of them don't age, or age really slowly, and in fact, Roxy is pregnant. But due to the distortion of time, she's been pregnant for eight years? Whoa. So they don't age, and also turns out Cornelius isn't dead. But mm. he's old as hell. Comes back to life. <laughs> so, the heartfelt shit that you saw from Roxy earlier, doesn't matter. He's still alive. And like... They keep talking about like it being sad that or like that, you know, he's finally gone or something like that. And they don't want him to. But like 94 is a that's a like, listen, I don't want to be a ghoul here, Fox. Yeah. But like, that's a pretty old age. Just let me die. You know, at that. point. I mean, if I can still eat bacon and toast, that'd be pretty dope. If I could play video games still with. I mean, probably, like, slow it down a little bit. I, mean, I don't know. I'm interested in the 2070s video game technology, I guess. But, you know, stop wishing for me to be alive, I guess. Like, I'm ready to just pass on. Well, and it mean, also seems like he's just fine. He just stretches up and yawns. He doesn't seem to have aches and pains or anything. And also, again, it's so dissident to, like, the last part of the comic where she's, yeah. like, crying, like, just destroyed about Cornelius. And I mean, all of this is to say that they're having this existential thing where it's like, God, we just don't age, but everyone's getting old around us. No answers for so far, right? Yeah, it's weird. So, hey, listen, even though we could keep talking about this, fuck that. We've got to go to uh, the other storyline, which is, hey, back in the past, 
the Romans are checking out this car like, what the fuck is this thing, right? And Wayne and Trevor then are like, all right, listen, we got to deal with these people. We'll press the button that makes the human-looking robot that we have dressed in the same clothes as us. Yeah. Speaking what I would call me pretending to do a British accent. Yeah. Oi, right? mate. Can you tell us how to get to prove, like? mate? It's like, it's real bad. But also then, why are they dressed up in any way? Because <laughs> they have the robot. It's it's weird. Yeah. So the the Romans fucking see this thing and just, well, I mean, you do what you do. You throw the spear that you have, yeah. which then I, the robot just proceeds to ice this entire phalanx. <laughs> it eats your guts. Yeah, that's how you do. And hey, right. turns, yeah, it turns out they're 16, or 16 centuries too early. So back into the ocean, I guess. Now, Conrad, you might think we might continue that storyline a little bit. Maybe get some yucks. Maybe get some a little bit more. Nah, fuck you. We're back on Tau Ceti. It's the Triple Crown Court. I don't. I don't remember there being this thing called the Triple Crown Court. There's too sure. many things going on I, in this story, Fox. <laughs> I, we're gonna get there, buddy. And uh, listen, this Triple Crown Court, they're doing what all royalty does, and they're putting off all the work to the help, and specifically to a robot. Even though they summoned this guy, the architect of Rhett, whose family built all of the fucking cities. Yeah, he's on the search for fucking skiz here. Something. Yeah, and so he's got he he understands the the underworkings of the city, which is perfect to find where Skid Skiz is hiding. But guess what? We don't get any more of that because Conrad, we've got to jump back to Earth in again the past where we just were. These two numbskulls. Yeah. Well, they spent the last 16 centuries in game time, they say, playing... Yeah, yeah, playing video games or playing a board game. An hour of being in there is 100 years in Earth time, it's like. Right. And when they come back out, I mean, listen, it's World War II, they miss the mark again. They do shoot down a Nazi plane. Oh, man. And then they say, like, hey, we're going to take the pilot prisoner who's parachuting. But that's all we hear, and guess what? Now, we're in a new... A new story. Mm. Okay. We're changing. This is one that hasn't been talked about before. We're now on Omega Set, where we're introduced to the Gun Lord, whose intent is to kill Skiz uh, in the past before they discovered low fat yogurt, but also right. wants to kill them in the present at the same time. It's a double kill situation. We don't really know why he wants to kill them yet. Anyway, Wait, no, 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 no. Oh no, because no, no, no. he's got the chaos thing, right? Yeah, well, and and because like in the last Skiz story, we learned that the low fat yogurt was like the key to solving this like infertility problem that the Skiz aliens were having. Like they were gonna eat that yogurt and it would let them be yeah, able the to cultures let them do the to spunk. do it again or something like that. Yeah, and no. that's upset the balance and so now the fulminator wants to stop skiz from coming to earth and discovering that reality or something like that so i the best i could say is that the clock is ticking and the stage is set and uh, everybody's bearing down on old skiz holy fuck conrad the amount of jumping between different kind of, of continuity it's a lot for the start of skits. There's too much going on, Fox. This That's feels the, like, the... Yeah, 
it feels like to me they have only so many progs to say this and they have to do it all now (laughs) but it's yeah well like they got i feel like they have a reasonable amount they got 16 episodes in the course of this one we'll let you know so what the fuck was the point of this i would have really liked if they had at the very least just like at prog like the first prog just this section then yes. like like just Roxy and Baz and establish that. Then mm-hmm. just Skiz and Skiz's kid or whatever and establish that. And then like just the gun lords and establish that. Ever in this ever. Like it's like the diadact sections are just there to say like this ship is going somewhere. I think like, yeah, I think that was just to introduce the gun lords as being like dudes on a ship. But the gun lord could have done that. They could have just shown up. It would have been fine. There's, <laughs> this is too ambitious, Fox. And then, man, like <laughs> the fact that it's fifty years or whatever, sixty some years later from the start of Skiz in the human section is weird. And I don't know if I like it. I gotta it's, say, it's weird that Roxy is. I mean, I'm not complaining. It's weird that Roxy's not aging. There's no explanation of that. I love some information, right? Basically, what I've come out of Skiz 3 for the first four progs is, what the fuck is going on, guys? What the fuck is going on? No, it's very, it's very mysterious. And but like, it's, it's, mysteri- it's like myst- mystery by way of edging. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's more like, here's some things I'm not telling, that kind of thing. And you can only do that for so long. I don't know. And this, we're talking about skiz. Like this is a yeah. this is a heartthrob series. You know, it's one that I've got a lot of positive feelings about. Fox, and You're really starting this one out bad. This one's really like, here's a bunch of shit, and I'm like, well, uh, what's going on with this? Like, no, like, no, we're gonna keep jumping around. You aren't gonna like. It seems like it's specifically designed to disorient you as opposed to tell a story to you. And I feel like that's not as fun. I want to know what's going on with my skiz friends. And it's really keeping me from knowing that in the various situations in the name, just showing me different scene stuff. Yeah, which is, yeah, it's just too much. And speaking of too much, non-thrills covers nerve center. Let me let me pause as we enter the non-thrills, Fox. Okay. And let me say that at the start of the show, I was not quite drunk yet. <laughs> no, I, I think that you're there now, bud, and I'm so excited. Now I'm fully there for the end of the ep. Oh, my God. It's going to f- be really good, I feel I'm like. I'm folding in on myself. This is amazing. You're going like, to be in full effect for Bix Barton. That's all I Fuck. can say. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. Here we go. Don't worry. This section, I've kept it high and tight. 912, Prog 912, cover by Jim Bakey. How? Skiz is crash landing into the comic and our hearts after 50 years of being out of here. In the input... No, I sorry, want, wait, ahead. I want to say I don't like how we talk how we're the we're introducing the 50 year shit <laughs> because of the cover. Know. I don't like the cover establishing facts that we're supposed to know when we go into Skiz Fox. <laughs> I don't like that at all. And I that am... we don't we don't know that it, they don't say that it's 2042 until 
Prague. Oh, 9, I think like Prague three or something. Yeah, right? like three or two or three Prague's into the story. You don't know that's the case until until then, but you know because you read the cover. That's bullshit. It is bullshit, it is, Fox. It's such a weird thing. It's like okay, so Roxy's like old as hell, and then it's like not. Nah, oh nah, wait, nah. I want to go, go going going back to Skiz briefly. I, <laughs> I'm really grossed out by the fact there's an eight year pregnancy, Fox. It's not. It's, a, it's weird. It's weird that like why I'm is not that in, even a I'm thing? I'm not in favor of that in on any I, level. It means that, that like it's not good it's, for it's, Roxy. It's not good for the kid that's being very the, slowly formed inside of her. It doesn't even have a brain yet. Technically, she doesn't have a bump. It's gross. Right? Like it's just slow molecules forming yeah. in her. All right. In her All right. Wing. Sorry. I'm, I'm no, sorry to interrupt you, I, buddy. Hey, no. This is where we firmly agree. <laughs> anyway, I'm so, going to fight. Let's fight. <laughs> so listen, in the output page. Tharg lets us know that, hey, listen, Carlos is scary. He's going to taste, you know, he's been working really hard. But guess what? He's handing off the baton to Austin, who, as far as I can tell from just, I haven't read any of it, but I did see some of it this month. I mean, it's good art. Moderate. So, uh, I'm pissed about this section of, of, <laughs> of fucking Wilderlands, even before we record the Wilderlands episode. Oh, oh, hot takes. I'm angry about it. I'm going to fucking kick some ass. Well, you know what? Also, this output page has to talk about the Judge Shred 1995 yearbook. Oh, yeah, we, we covered it right before Wilderland started. Me and Eli, buddy, haven't recorded that one either. Exposing the business because I'm drunk. Good times. <laughs> I love it. I'm all You'll out of I'm all out of sorts temporally as we record as we put these episodes out, Fox. It's so, almost like it's almost like we're the first four progs of Skiz. I'm on multiple timelines, friend. I'll tell you that much for free. So in the input page, we see a Judge Gronk. He is the Lawses, as well as some letters about the internet that are from the internet. Because of Tharg's fancy new email demons. Yeah, this is the this is the first. Sorry, Fox. This is the first oh. input page af, that's come in after they announced that 2000 AD has a has Richard Burton's email address, <laughs> and so they're finally <laughs> they're getting. So these are all emails in this yes. letter page. Yes. We also get some disagreeable takes on Big Dave and how that dude's not going to dunk on it, as well as that same dude having some what I would call cruel art takes about the new ABC Warriors art direction, as well as Robo Hunter. Yeah, it's like he says he doesn't like him, and that's fine. But you don't have to then say like this artist was better because it's kind of like, dude, have you ever given critical feedback before? You don't just like, especially about the arts, like that shit's personal. Yeah, be cool. Anyway, don't be an asshole. Whatever. Anyway, anyway 913. Oh, wait, wait. I, I should oh, mention sorry, also that 912, the input page is in between Big Spartan and Button Man as opposed to on the last episode. Problematic. Last page, like, like usually. Problematic. And I think that's why it didn't exist in 913 because they just didn't have space and they didn't well, know where Well, a lot of those is like, you know, the, the scanner doesn't scan it on our illegal downloads of these comics. On our totally legal ownership of the progs. Absolutely. <laughs> Prague 913 cover by John Ridgeway Highlander me daddy as a button man chases me down and lets me know there can only be one way oh spank me my moderate I don't like when they when a not, someone who's not doing the normal 
Art does oh, the comic. art for the cover. Give me an Arthur Ranson cover. Honestly, yeah. I th- what I will say is I think that it what it did really well is compositionally. It's like he, you know you see him chasing after you, then he's grabbing the gun and he's mm. aiming it right. Like so, I do think that it it still kept the composition. It no, it's feel. okay, but I would have preferred Ranson to have done this as opposed to... I, I feel like that would have taken 20 years because this guy does... I mean, Ranson is such No, a- no, no. Ranson's fast worker. He knows what he's doing, for sure. That's- oh, yeah. What's not beautiful is in the output pages, we're treated to literally a book report about the Judge Dredd movie, which does have some interesting behind-the-scenes stuff. But also, like, weirdly, just like for a whole paragraph, really talks up Shepperton in the UK. Like, yeah, hey, listen, all this stuff in Shepperton, man. I can't even it. And all of it is fine. But like you blast like just a fucking news article at yeah. the start of your because well, it's the it's the Drox section, which has been these series of things written by the producer of the dread movie and so they're sort of talking about how filming has started i was kind of interesting just that the the max von sydow long walk section was the first scene that they filmed for the movie then yeah makes some sense because it's probably the cheapest yeah and then and then yeah they're talking about the the shepperton studio and just all the different sci-fi things that have been filmed there it's where they filmed the award section of the first Star Wars movie where they give <laughs> where they give the medals to everybody but Chewbacca, buddy. You know, all that stuff. Don't worry, they fucking fan service that in the new one. I don't want to get into it. No, that's all right. But guess what? No input page on this one. So yeah. there might have been one, but it's not again in the illegal comic copy. Well, no, because this has ads and stuff. So presumably they didn't just have one. They just didn't have one this yeah, time. Exactly. Prog 914 covered by Dermot Power. Alive. Dread in the sky looking craggy as all F as an H wagon appears to grab some survivors. They're oh, alive. yeah. Uh, in the input page, which uh, mainly focuses on hyping the winter special, which has Judge Dread, Brigand Doom, Terror Tales, and oh, Durham Red. Coming soon to this podcast. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Also apologizes for literally the text dump we had in the last prog. In the input pages, we get a snazzy image of Judge Gideon. Iso cubes. <laughs> in the letters, we have uh, we have someone that's been reading since prog 2 and agrees that all the text in my damn magazine is fucking trash. Get it out of here. And desires for Zenith 5 and a call across multiple for less of fucking recap pages beginning of all of our progs. Yeah, well, because they they asked about this. And, you know, for the last couple, I want to say like year or two in the magazine, they have these recap pages at the start of the episode. Sort of, sort of, that's got the cover. It's got the credit details. And it's got like a brief recap. Last time of, on Dragon Ball Z shit. It's got both the last time on Dragon Ball Z and just like here's the general concept of Dragon Ball Z as well, you know. Oh, oof. Oof, bad. You'll see them I mean, as I part can't... of our you'll see them as part of our Wilderlands coverage when we do that. I'm telling you. <sighs> okay. Exposing the business. 
<laughs> Prog 915. Covered by Jim McCarthy. Nerd of Prey. Pretty gross. It's very it's very gross. It's a gross cover. I like it, but it's gross. It's gross. I, yeah, I like we'll, we'll learn more about this and Big Spartan. It's a Big Spartan cover. You're going to... Uh, here, uh, 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 cheat code unlocked. I'm a fan of Nigel. Anyway, in the output page, we get the announcement of some winners from the competition from Prague. 899, as you will remember, the artificial intelligence video. Oh, movie. yeah, about that fucking techno dance video. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which, whatever. As well as, uh, you know, an ad for the best of 2000 AD 111. Very funny. Uh, in the input pages, we are treated to a what I would call a classical-looking Judge Dredd piece of fan art, you know? It says like movie dread or whatever as the title, and I'm yeah, like, yeah, well, because nah, man, this that's one like OG. No, 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 no. Because well, first of all, the editorial also mentions that like preview pictures of the filming of Judge Dread have been coming out in all these different magazines, but not in 2000 AD WTF. And Tharg assures weird. us that they'll have some exclusive photos from filming in that's future so issues. Weird. Those will be a 917 next episode, and then. This dread picture is of movie dread. You can tell because of the fucking cod piece oh, in the yeah. dread design. That was a weird one. And like the like the big <laughs> like like the, the the plastic frame that's part of the shoulder pads and shit like that, you know. It's a it's a it's a fan art of dread that's based on the movie ver- on the movie costume. Gotcha. Well, listen, in the letters, we get a returning person they had stopped reading in 1985. Now they're back. I'm pretty happy. Some clarification on Rogue Trooper, Rogue versus Friday, and the two being different, and how one died in, or one survived <laughs> a very specific battle, and the other was on a very different place as well. And so this is Friday, and it's not Bagman, Helm, and fucking Gunner. Those were other biochips. These are different biochips. They're two different people. They could be in the same space. Very oh, yeah. weird stuff, like why we're stipulating any of this. But I like the uh, the kind of theory crafting. Uh, mm-hmm. As well as the desire for, hey, listen, you got this movie, more merch. I want a Judge Dread action figure. I want Judge Dread milkshakes. <laughs> and Judge Dread magnets, which I feel like there have been around before. And uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention a letter of all, which is about Johnny Kiss. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. It's their reminder letter of Johnny Kiss. The most kissable lips in all of Judge Dredd Megan. Yeah, and they confirm hmm. that Johnny Kiss will return in 1995. Hey, listen, because you can't stop those lips. <laughs> yeah, come on. Your, speaking- your Johnny Kiss is on my list, Fox. Fucking Holland Oats. Oh. <laughs> your Johnny I, I, Kiss, I can't resist, Fox. Because <laughs> your Johnny Kiss is on my list of the best things of life. Connor. Yeah, fuck I'm you, always, buddy. Come on. Fuck you. <laughs> Gonna make me start singing, make me start singing Holland Oats songs here. Mm. I'll do it. Well, I'm fucking drunk, Fox. This is terrible. Speaking of terrible, thrill for Big Spot. (laughs) (laughs) You really, you let me have it. I'm going to take it. Oh, my God. That's amazing, buddy. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) 
Doing all right there. All right, listen. I'm doing bad, honestly, but I'm going to push through. This is the second longest. No, sorry. Third longest uh, section that I had to write, right? The second longest is, of (sighs) course, Button Man because I love Button Man. Um, But let me tell you, the script robot, it's Peter Milligan. The art robot, it's Jim McCarthy. The lettering robot, Ellie Adeville. Hmm. Continue your fashion of never writing her name the same way in each it's, frog. It's in this a one, weird one. In this one, there's an apostrophe between the duh and the and the vil. Sometimes I, it's capitalized, to, sometimes it's got, not. You've got to appreciate a letterer having. She keeps us on our toes, R.I.P. Listen, Conrad, Nigel has a vision. And that vision mm. honestly sounds pretty awesome to me. Nerds vibing and doing their D&D and stamp collecting. But hey, man, all these jocks are real pain. And they're just giving us a bad rap and, and harshing our mellow, you know? I hate jocks, Fox. I fucking, I'm telling you about it. What's the solution? Violence. I mean, at least once you're done with afternoon. <laughs> Meanwhile, in South America, Bix is begging a native to just really fucking tackle him to the ground just get him down there and do some real rum and uncanny shit and it turns out he's just teaching him rugby but you could have fooled me i you know i don't kink shit right <laughs> but here comes michael kane he interrupts hey listen that london's calling on the bix phone and so of course here's bix barton he's traveling back to london in his weird tub of goo yeah. and he has to meet sir rostin friend and it seems that the Department of Irrationality is being merged. The Board of Trade and the president of that board is in trouble. And that you're going to find him on his toilet taking a poop at home. There's a lot of jokes about the UK government in the course of this Bix Barton story. Absolutely. But I'm going to take it, instead of just going and, and looking at it as satire, I'm looking at it as just literalism. <laughs> satire. This is my satire on their satire. Turns out this guy is both minister and soap star of EastEnders. As he blathers on about a bunch of shit that I don't care about and his money-making troubles and something about putting himself on the stock market. Bam! Fucking knife from my boy Nigel. And, you know, Bix doesn't even notice. He says, Bex turned. He turns around. There's a dead body, knife inside of it. That's how good Nigel is. Nigel's a fucking murderer. He's a winner. I love Nigel. He 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 knows his D and D. Put his his points into chaotic evil, and he's definitely a thief, right? Because he's doing the sneak attack. He's got mm, you. Got that backstab. Exactly. And listen, what does Bix Barton see? He sees a book. It's Moby Dick. But there's also some snot inside, and the snot sucks him into the book. Fucking Bix Barton. Okay. So now suddenly. Wait, 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 because on the cliffhanger, that's when I got to do the East Enders drum. So I'm like, like that, whatever. That's the East Enders. I've never watched an episode of East Enders. I haven't either, but I've I've heard it referenced in other English podcasts that I listen to. So I feel like I have a concept of at least how it starts or like of the theme song. Some stage. I need to watch it, but that day is not today. I don't think that's true. I think we can just be blissfully unaware. (laughs) So listen, Conrad, on the good ship Lollipop, Bix is now talking with Captain Ahab. On the Pequod, bro. uh, It's the good ship Lollipop. Someone clearly hasn't read Mm -hmm. the books. I'm going to kick. I fucking, 
I took uh, I took a Moby Dick course when I was in high school. I know all about that shit. I fucking love Moby Dick, buddy. Listen, People say some, that the whale some stuff. Gay undertones. They say the whale right. stuff's boring. I think it's cool, man. There's that game, uh, Nantucket. You ever play Nantucket? It's on Steam. I have not a, played Nantucket. It's just a strategy game about fucking whaling. It's good. Recommended by Conrad here. It's got sea shanties. Well, you know who doesn't recommend that game? Kill goddamn, the shit out of some narwhals, Fox. Goddamn Captain Ahab, because Captain Ahab, Conrad, doesn't want to kill Moby Dick. That's a ruse. He's here to praise him. Ooh. He's he's a he's a a a, a, a Greenpeace counter terrorist, and he lost his leg while trying to sabotage a hunt where some dogs and literally from dogs. Oh my I guess god! His <clears throat> he's a bleeding heart liberal. What can we say? And look, Bix. Very interested in this leg. Where'd this leg come from? Very great craftsmanship. Let me have a look at that. Picks it up. Oh, Ahab. Overboard. Fish. Eats him. Or whatever the fuck it was. I guess a mammal. Who knows? Yeah, that's a mammal, man. Okay. It lives in the ocean and has subcutaneous fat. It is nominally a mammal. Yeah, man, it's got it'll it'll breastfeed its child and stuff like that. It's <laughs> mammaling it so up. So listen, listen, we're not worried about the whale because then, bam, harpoon, Nigel, my man, is at it again. This is him throwing it. Bix, boom, just straight through the gut. That harpoon just fucking hit him. But hey, as it turns out, he's unscathed because I guess he forgot to remove his dick and ball cup from the fucking rugby roughing around that he's yeah, doing. Is his box, as they say in England, Fox. Yeah, that's weird. Anyway, Bix then sees Snot and puts it in his mouth. Whoa. He just sees Snot and tastes it. And that then warps him to a library. Uh, and just before, or just when he's at the library, he picks up a book, and last time, you know, Pagemaster-esque shit, we know he was gonna get warped into a book. He picks up a book by the Marquis de Sade. Ooh, sexy. Well, not the book I'd want to be warped into, right? Like, personally, very much, I don't want to be in a vat of shit. Mm. Uh, but he stopped by some officers who look a little, they, they look weird. I guess... That they're now officers because time hasn't changed yet. Yeah, they're like there. cyber cop but, officers or something. But they like look that. like cyber cop officers, and they're like kind of deliberating over the, what the fuck they should do now that they found him. But you know what they resolve to do is just shoot him. Which, hey, listen, I, like I'm not surprised. That seems to me like cop logic. Just shoot whatever you think doesn't. Um. So listen, that doesn't actually happen. <laughs> so Bix <laughs> is is now being booked for prison, which has a lot of undertones of what I would assume like US healthcare is, but it's also No, no, no. This is all this is all British shit here, Fox, hundred percent. Yeah. So it's like, uh, you don't have fucking prison insurance, so you can't go You don't have the, you don't have private prison. yeah. You don't have private insurance, so you have to go to the NPS, right? The national right. prison service like the NHS, but you gotta wait in line for a really long time to deal with that and all this kind of stuff. Exactly. And so he's waiting for this jailer Ugh. to see him uh, because he doesn't have that insurance. But meanwhile, our boy Nigel, number one dude, stunner. He's been doing everything great. He's murdering like crazy, mostly with books. Like, mm-hmm. 
straight up smashing a dude's face with him, strangling a guy on top of a book. Like he's just killing relentlessly. Love this guy, love his passion, right? So he comes back to it. And here's some messing with that. And his mom oh, is like fuck. And his mom is like, Oh, it's your friend who tastes good. It's weird. She makes like yeah. a, a thing that's like she I it, it it was either sexual or it was weird. You know what I mean? Yeah, she says she she, she says it's your friend, the one with the unpleasant aftertaste. Which is like that's that's a dick sucking. Ominous. Right? Yeah, but then she corrects that uh it's a haircut. Yeah. So anyway, she goes uh, uh, Nigel goes up there and my dude, it's our boy Sir Rustin friend. Oh no. I apparently he's backstabbing Bix, but he's playing with all of Nigel's stuff, which I mean, listen, that's his stuff, right? You get to yeah. look at it. We could talk about it. Maybe you get to have the second player. You know what I mean? But you don't go messing around with it. But listen, Nigel has finished his nerd manifesto. And, Rostin, it's time for you to start leaking that shit to the media. The idea is that the reins of power will be handed over to the nerds. Oh, I feel like the nerds already mostly control the government, for the record, Fox. Or... Or make really dumb purchases of giant tech companies, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, he also kills his mom by accident on some lawn punji. Oh no! Yeah, that was. Why do you even thing. have those big spears in the lawn, Fox? It doesn't I, seem safe in the first place. I mean, listen, you've got to defend your domicile somehow, right? You know, castle doctrine. Mm, <laughs> fair point. Fair point. So anyway, Bix, using the powers perfected by German soccer players because of LOL, he plays possum and naps for about 10 years. Yeah, he so pretends to be dead and then stays yeah. dead for 10 years. So he's Rip Van Winkled himself into a future that's run by nerds. It's revenge of the nerds. It's oh, world of no. the nerds. Oh, uh, no. They're raping ladies with Darth Vader masks all over oh, the place. Oh, no. Oh, God. Yeah, I forgot that that happens. Revenge of the Nerds. That first one is not a cool movie, Fox. It's just for the record. Bad. It's very bad. There's a lot of like being not cool to women in the course of that film. That's what I'm trying uh, to say. I'll get, uh, she'll get her comeuppance when I do a sex. Anyway. We're, our big moment is placing cameras to illegally film a bunch okay. of ladies when they think they're safe, but they are not safe because we're watching them take their clothes off and stuff. Booger is not a likable character. Booger is literally the worst kind of preeminent. We're good guys as we fucking, you know, pre- commit various crimes against these ladies. Oh, God. So meeting up. I fucking hate Ross, Revenge of the Nerds, Fox. I, it's a very bad. It's a very bad set of films. Just watch Police Academy. It's funnier and like hits it pretty on the nose. Well, no, no, no. I, I, I agree. Except, except for the for cop the stuff. Violence. Yeah, except yeah, for the, yeah, exactly. the propaganda. Whatever. Listen, <laughs> yeah. as a as a fucking bleeding heart liberal, Fox, of of myself out of a lot of eighties and nineties entertainment. It's it's a Can it's we a still sad watch time. Caddyshack. Oh yeah, Caddyshack is fine. I think. You know, slobs versus snobs. That's always solid. Always. Go anyway, for Kong. listen, Bix is going to meet up with Rostin, apparently, who is now the leader of the underground resistance. He had thought he could control Nigel, but I guess not. And he's got uh, a nerd wah out on him now. Uh, yeah. Anyway, after some backstory of Nigel's move to power, the group is surprised attacked by a group of nerds. Rostin is killed, and in all the kerfuffle, <laughs> so is Michael Caine! No! Oh, no! 
Michael Caine! One of my favorite characters. He's a fucking Kane. He's been destroyed, Fox. Next time on Bix Barton, Bix Barton, whatever. It's fine. Rum and uncanny or whatever. Yeah, next time, the Kane mutiny. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, whatever. That wasn't that about sugar? No. So listen, it's Bix the other Barton, one's about strawberries. I think this one's more about like fucking breadfruit. Like that. So listen, Bix Barton was. I did like Nigel. I think like a nerd killing a bunch of people is absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. Everything else, I I feel like Bix Barton continued to be Bix Barton. Like it, it was very standard. Yeah, you know? he's just kind of this guy that's into weird stuff and kind of runs around doing. I did. Weird I things. did like the gay play he did in the. That was mm-hmm. pretty good. That's very much in the subtext of Bix Barton is his likes, you know, not associated with ladies. I'll say that much, that general art. No, he, I mean, but he's also not, I mean, he's also not put out as blathering. He's our hero, you know? Yeah. It's a little bit of a sexual rogue. Oh, 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 Speaking oh. of sexual rogues. Mm. Thrill five. Button man. Conrad. We now enter the final chapter of our conversation, right? Well, second to final chapter. Our script robot tonight is John Wagner. Our art robot is Arthur Ranson. Hallowed be his name. Mm. Lettering robot, Steve Potter. Now, Conrad, feel free to interject as you will, but I shall begin. Yeah, I want to hear this. Harry lays in bed with Cora, late at night, talking over the last button man that Senator Jacqueline had. His name is Sharky. He was in for a year and apparently got out. Harry's death count stands at 11 to 14. 11 deaths. Only three survivors. The senator is unhappy over the Crow incident. Cost him a lot of money. Cora pleads with him, Harry, not to make waves. That they could run away together after everything is done. But Harry doesn't buy it. And tells Cora that the senator would never let her leave, knowing what she knows. She assures Harry, uh, she's got leverage. She's got some information. But he rolls over to sleep. And she comments that it's almost as though all this killing has made him dead inside. Mm. Nightmares fill Harry's mind, and he wakes up with a start. He feels someone is outside, and in the nude, prowls down the stairs, gun drawn. Bursting outside, he aims. A dog, hungry, digging through the trash. Harry takes him inside and feeds him, not just... Some simple meal, but $15 steaks. He doesn't look to have an owner. And it is Cora's first time seeing Harry show affection for anything. For Harry, you always know where you stand with an animal. The next day, Harry's outside with his hound and he's playing with it. Having a great time as Cora is inside calling Senator Jacqueline. She thinks he's dangerous and unpredictable and that they've gone as far as they can with Harry. It's clear that their intention is to put him down. Jacqueline 
suggests that she get out of the house on Thursday. Mm. Cora calls Harry on Thursday, as apparently she's gone to Albany, and she's stuck there for the next few hours. He tells her not to worry, to get a hotel, not to rush. And as soon as they hang up, we see Cora walk over to a police officer. Harry begins tearing up the floorboards for some almost unknown purpose. And as he pets his dog, he thinks about Cora's insurance, what information she might have, and that, honestly, it's probably better in his safekeeping. He watches his dog play in the snow, thinking about potentially a life as a hermit might be suitable. Until his dog begins growling at the ice of the lake. A face stares back, dead. Harry gets an axe and begins smashing the ice as we see a police car slowly making its way to where we don't know yet. Harry drags out a body. He almost gets caught up in the lie that he could have made it out, that one year was all it took. But it's clear that this is the corpse of Sharky, chained and left to drown in the lake. He hears the police car pulling up to the house. Two police officers, and a third that waits at the car, make their way to his front door. Harry makes his way to the policeman while his wonderful hound is unsettled, growling, and basically alerting the police. Greeting them, he's told by the police that Cora has been in an accident, and it is serious. They need to take him to the hospital. Axe! Thrown right <laughs> into the first cop. A third cop. The third cop on the hill. He fires down at Harry as he evades the second cop. He falls to the ground, but his dog bites the hand of that second cop, giving Harry time to escape. The third cop then walks down from the hill, firing a gun into the head of the poor animal. Fucking mistake, buddy. Oh, the man. The third policeman follows Harry's footprints to the barn. They may have a gun, but Harry knows the territory. Mm. The police officer slowly enters the barn. Above, Harry jumps down, scythe in hand, cutting into the officer and takes his gun, killing him. Slowly, Harry makes his way back to the house, gun drawn. The dog is alive, only grazed. And Harry is now bearing down on the final officer and tells him to drop his gun. The police officer dodges, which is the wrong choice, and gets shot in the gut. The police officer begs for a doctor. Fuck you, you shot my dog. Yeah, and go to hell, friend. <laughs> right into the fucking wound. Harry calms his dog and then puts the pistol in the cop's face. Who sent you? He doesn't know who bought the hit. All he knows is that he had to ice Harry and call a woman when the job was done. Cora. Harry forces the officer into the house to call Cora. The police officer is told 
to wait there until she arrives. Shoving him outside, he guns the police officer down right there. Fuck you for fucking even thinking to hurt my dog. Harry begins his preparation. First, he shuts off the police car, taking the keys with him. Then the lights of the house and loads his gun. But after waiting for an hour, he realizes, well, Cora's not coming. So what does he do? He showers. He dresses. And then he begins axing the entire house, ripping cupboards off the wall, tearing apart all of this house to find Cora's insurance. Mm. He stops briefly to check on his puppers. And then, realizing the tiles next to the fireplace, Pekin's just beating the shit out of him. A suitcase with plenty of evidence is underneath. Our final scene. We see Cora calling AJ, Senator Jacqueline. And something's gone wrong. She knew not to go back to the house. Something felt off. And Senator Jacqueline says, you need to come down to me for safety until we see how the pieces fall. And falling, snow. It's on the corpses of the dead officers outside of Harry's home. Harry is done with the North. And it's time to head south. Yeah. Next time on Buttman amazing fox that was a great recap buddy amazing I job fucking love button man so good man oh my god it really um you as know, soon we, as they shot that dog i got very angry <laughs> absolutely i mean it's a real it's a full like john wick moment basically right where it's just like oh like you guys shot the dog that was you shouldn't have done that, you know? I, like, I love, I really appreciate that they just grazed the dog. Yeah. Right? Because no. it's such an easy, like, gut punch, right? Yeah, the dog continuing to live is going to be part of the story here. We got about, I think, next episode we'll finish up Button Man, but this was such a great climax of just this moment of him, you know, of him meeting the dog, the dog getting hurt, and then just killing these cops and sort of, you know, everything turning and now we're just sort of final revenge rush for revenge at the end of the story. I'm well, very I, I think that we had been constantly on this knife's edge with with Cora, mm-hmm. right? We didn't really know if she was a person that was being forced into this position, right? Mm-hmm. Similar in a way to the button men themselves, or if she was a part of it, right? And I think that the introduction of Sharky the discovery of the body, right? Her going like her phone call, right? All of these things yeah. are suddenly like that's the the tipping point that then says like, oh fuck. And here's Harry by chance, because he found this dog, because like all of this stuff is all just luck. Fully realizing, right? He had kept his guard up, but not really wanted to believe it in some yeah. way, right? Still holding on to some shred of humanity. And I think it's very well extolled when it's, you know, he's looking at the dog and and after she says, you know, I've never seen you be this compassionate, him saying as he's looking at the dog, you know where you stand with animals. 
Yeah, and I think it's because they are truthful, right? Because they are honest, right? Because they don't understand dishonesty. Definitely, and I think like um, you know, this whole story has been very much Harry's relationship with Cora, and like knowing that she really can't be trusted. I think his relationship with humanity, in Mm -hmm. a way. Yeah, I could see that too. He he was this uh, RAF officer, right? Or 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 SAS or something like that. Yeah. Right? Where where when he retired, it was it was like, well, I don't have much to do, and I only have this kind of skills. And he's pulled into this community where he's not trying to kill people initially, right? Yeah. But it's but it's all about this this horrible world in which he lives, where he's forced to kill people, where he has to get revenge, and it consumes him, and really for him changes you know, how he sees humanity, how like he's distancing himself, but still being like his choices have still led him here. Right. He didn't have to take the job, but he did. So it's this very interesting thing. He's a very complicated character where I, I, I just was very sucked in as normal. It's a fucking beautiful thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this, like this Budman story is so good. And just really creates this this taut this taut thriller in you know just in the pages of 2000 AD here. It's you know? insane. It's just so unlike anything that we read. You know. Yeah, definitely. But it's really like yeah, there's just this you know there's this cat and mouse element and just this generally yeah this this again just a taut like espionage thriller or something. It really like. Like it's a really great end to the end to the comic. I think that you kind of get to this thing that really is just like, Oh man, like this is so amazing. Like I'll, I'll tell you Fox, like I read these comics and then couldn't help myself and went and just finished up button man in, um, (laughs) you know, reading ahead basically, which for me is always a mark of a story that's really got me in its grips. You know, I'm excited to see where this goes. Definitely. Yeah. So we'll finish it up. Like basically, you know, there's four more episodes left and we'll finish them all up next. Um, or four more chapters left. We'll finish them up next episode. And I think it's very fun. I'm really enjoying this story and it's really doing an amazing job of just being so fuck i'm too drunk to figure out exact words Fox, but no it's really great it is really great and i i think that that kind of high praise is you know it's not necessarily rare but this is one that i think that you and i both like this is one of those gems that we keep mining for oh absolutely absolutely i can't i can't stress enough that if you're listening to this podcast, you you know you haven't actually read these things, or you're, you're trying to figure out stuff to check out. Like, Button Man's definitely the highest recommendation. Like, it's very much like you know, it's a film yeah. on the pages of a comic. It's hard Absolutely. to describe otherwise. I feel like it doesn't get the the press of like Halo Jones or something like that. Yeah, but, honestly. But I would put Button Man up here, up there with any other 2080, you know, top it, 2080 story, ones that it, you've you've got to read in terms of delivering in characterization and plot and story and art, every aspect, well, it, you know? I, and I think it balances how much of the script you have to read, how much they want to show you. 
the literal art being at sometimes surreal, at sometimes very dramatic, right? Mm. Like we talk about it being cinematic, but it's not <clears throat> like those comics from the 70s where they just took stills and kind of drew over them from, you know, war pictures and shit like that. This is this is somebody who's closing their eyes, very specifically Arthur Ronson, and envisioning a movie. Yeah. I mean, so many of just the single panels of Button Man, I'm thinking of especially like when he finds um, like Sharky's body in the water and oh, stuff. Oh, that was fucking... I mean, and it's him looking down at his own mortality. Definitely. And you just get these images of like his face through the ice and like these sort of single moments of him like getting, like getting the axe and pulling him out. And that... And like cutting him out of the axe or, or cutting him out of the ice with the axe then brings Harry to remember like the buttman that he's fought before that said that you can't leave the game, right? Exactly. And at the same time, like the cops are coming to kill him and things like that. These really like using these panels to create these singular images. You're really, are really being, you're inside of his head, right? You're, yeah. you're, you're there and and it's meant to evoke that sense of tension or that sense of understanding or that sense of compassion or that sense of hatred right like i one of the things that really stuck out with me right is because i didn't i didn't put this in but when he's done kind of taking out the the final cop now the dog is out there and it's it's hurt, right? It's been grazed, mm-hmm. but it's laying on the ground. It's it's hurt. After he shoots that guy, he gently picks that dog up. And the next panel we see is him cradling it as he he's walking it into the house, placing it gently on a rug and and fixing the wound, right? He's cleaning it out. Very next panel him just giving him a scratch on the neck. Yeah. Right? It's clear from just four panels how much he cares about this dog that he basically just rescued, you know? And it's so very it's not much that he's without compassion. It's that I don't think he has compassion for Cora because I don't think he's ever really believed her bullshit. Yeah. And I think again, just, you know, I, I made a joke about it when we were talking about, it, but I think just in general, the, uh, the proto John Wick stuff here is really great of just like, you know, this, this killer that has a dog friend, you know, oh, of course is, is really But I mean, good. if it had been his kid or his wife, right? Like if there had been a connection, but he had never really had a connection to Cora, right? Like, as I think really what's being kind of orchestrated there is that she, for whatever reason, he knew to keep his distance or, she isn't very good at what she's doing other than I'll just have sex with you and say things. Right. Yeah. Well, I think she is good. I think it's the thing is that, that Harry Exton's better. You know, he's just real good at this. At being evil that, at things that I, or I like at that. being a killer, you know, she is good. It's just Harry Exton's better. <laughs> yeah. I think that's always the case, you know, so, so knows what he's doing. Speaking of better Conrad, I and the listeners need to know from you what are your top and bottom thrills oh man 
I know it's a big thing to think. It's about a good this. month, I gotta say. This is, it is a it's a fantastic month. Like we talked about this in previous episodes, we've actually had some pretty decent months sort of going on as we enter into the end of uh, 1994. 95 here. is uh, 95? 94. 94. 94 is not a bad year. Yeah, I'm and I'm excited for next year actually too. I think there's some interesting stuff to come in the coming year too. But ooh, um. Bottom, oh no, well, no. Let me say, in the in, in general, I feel like these choices are pretty easy. Um, and of course, not including dread because we're in the wilder zone for those, you know. Um, but uh, fucking bottom is uh, Bix Barton. Enough Ooh. of this Bix Barton. Don't care for it. Really, really. I'm just like for me. And, like, I didn't have to, like, listen, I, I told you before the show, I sort of steepled my fingers like a supervillain when you said you wanted to <laughs> handle these episodes. And it was literally because I wanted you to take care of Bix Barton. And the majority, like, you know, there's only, like, two Bix Bartons next episode. We're almost done with it. So I was very like, ah, yes, let Fox take the majority of these. That's fine. Um <laughs> And it's, it, it was really tough to write what was going on. In it's just, book. it's a lot of, it's a lot of words and it's a lot of, um, like in jokes, like, uh, of like, we, country like, and jokes. Yeah. Like it's a humor comic, but it's a humor comic. It's about weird English things and like very in-depth English stuff and things like that. Yeah. Um, I'm not just that into it. It's very easy for me to pick that as bottom, you know, over like, um, you know, Dread's pretty fun. Like the finale of Wilderlands is cool, and especially sort of the big cliffhanger at the end of it, I think is good. We'll talk more about that n- next episode. Um, and then, you know, um, what are the other like Red Razor? I thought was pretty fun. I I I, I like I, the idea. I think of, it's very fun. Yeah, of, it's it's like a very long good dread it's the dread thing i want to fucking read yeah of just dread coming in and just being a badass like i think that's a really cool concept you know like mm. we don't get enough of that i feel like of just dread being like he showed he like dread shows up and everyone just says oh shit like that's a cool <laughs> moment you know it's very good and like i definitely think skiz is jumping around too much. It's shifting its focus in a way that I think is not helpful to the overall story, but is okay. And, you know, in the end, like when you sort of bring in Roxy, I'm like, Oh man, like the, my shared history with this character brings me through in a way that I don't have with Big Spartan, where I'm mostly annoyed by him, I guess. So Big Spartan (laughs) on the bottom, (laughs) on the top, I, you know, Obviously, I, Button Man, easy. I gotta say. Like, it's Button so Man easy. is so good. And again, just the idea of having this, like, 1970s or, like, 80s thriller in the middle of our the pages of 2000 AD. It's so refreshing. It's real nice. Right? And just a, a huge difference from anything else that just sets sure. it up as its own just, art form thing and is so good, you know? I honestly feel like it hooks you into the next comic. Like if JD is pulling you in, yeah. Like this is a send off where it's this is the cliffhanger. You no, know I, mean, I mean it's definitely. I mean, like I said, where after I read it, I, I had to read the rest of it. It's very much one of these stories 
where like it this leaves is what me anthology comics. Yeah, it just can it, do. It's a story that when I'm reading 2000 AD, I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to get to Button Man. That's going to be so exciting. And then when I get to it, I'm like, man, I can't wait to buy this comic next week because I want to get the next chapter of Button Man. You know, I and and that's sort of that's where I feel like if if there's any like because I I normally I like to binge right. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like the the strength of anthology comics, as we've always kind of touted, is like do new stuff, take risks, mm-hmm. right? And 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 don't just like lean on what you what you have, right? Like I I think that Button Man would be worse if it was a forever comic, right? Because I just don't think you can keep up that tension. Oh yeah, that. no, I think yeah, just just popping but, in periodically for pieces of it is, is exactly. Is really the but key. but I feel like like. There was, there's no way a button man would have existed otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's just so good and just such this like, um, this is John Wagner thing. I'm just here as he's like, you know, badasses killing each other kind of stories. That's <laughs> really fun. You know, it's real good. Oh man, I, I firmly agree. And with that said, Fox, I got to know what your top and bottom stories are, buddy. Conrad, I've been talking so much. Usually I'm the interjecting one. And let me tell you right now. Mm. I'm going to start with top. And that top goes to GD Button Man. We just talked about it. I don't think we need to say more. I love this comic book totally yeah, I, check it I, out if you haven't checked it out like come I, on i firmly believe it's one of the best comic books i've ever read i had the pleasure of reading and while we've talked about some of the other comics we walked around them a little bit i'm gonna be a bit derisive now conrad Ooh. you know you know how much i've cried about skiz yeah and you know how much i love it this episode skiz is at the bottom for me oh no it's on notice because here's the thing bix barton i knew what to expect right and nigel was a fun character i thought the 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 premise is still really fun kind of moving around it the bix barton stuff is the mess in the middle right but that's generally speaking this is a more coherent bix barton (laughs) than (laughs) we've read in the past at the very least, I know what's going on. The problem that I had, and it maybe it was just accentuated from me writing about it, but what you, as I was talking about it, very much proved out to me is that you also didn't appreciate the jumping around. You also didn't appreciate none of the context. You also didn't appreciate that no questions were being answered. You also kind of had this whole experience where it's like, hey, listen, we haven't been here for a while. When I look back at Skiz, yes, it was, you could call it an E.T. ripoff, whatever, but Skiz lands on planet, Skiz finds Lady, they have to figure it out a little bit, right? Like, it's just boom, boom, boom. Skiz 2, I'm locked up. I'm locked up, baby. Mm -hmm. And also, there's a little bit of, like, hey, here's, here's life currently on the Earth, you know? Yeah. This has, and I mean it, five 
different storylines happening mm-hmm. in it. And the most important one, the fifth, comes at the very end of the fourth prog that we talked about, 915. Like, quite literally, lead with Omega Seti, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, what's like going it, on with these weird alien guys? It It, it is, to me, it's... The, this is not me necessarily criticizing Jim Bakey, right? Like, obviously not. But I don't understand, right? I don't understand what's going on. And this is a very important, I think, series. And I'm sure it's going to turn it around, but it's bottom for me this month. It's That's absolutely fair. Yeah, it's got a room to grow, I think. I think, you know, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. And I think it also is just one of these situations where they're starting this story and there's just a like I just I have an high expectation after reading this for so yeah. long. Big Spartan, I have very low expectations for. <laughs> yeah. And I think we've seen this in the magazine too, actually, where it's one of these situations where we're starting a story and the writer has a lot to say. There's a lot going on in this story all at once when they start it. And that can sort of cause some problems at the start because they're trying to just get everything they want all in at once. You know, they want the the time jump and seeming immortality with Roxy and Baz, you know. That they, literally didn't have to be said until later. Or quite literally lead off with it. Yeah. Right? Like let's check in with Earth. But like Earth. they also like I want the, the what's going on. Yeah, they want the world of they want like the political stuff with the skiz people. And they no want one this, cares. And they want this no one cares. stuff. And they want this like wacky time travel hijinks thing. All these like, things, stuff going on. Quite literally, it could have been like at some kind of meeting of the minds where it's like, I hate skiz. I also hate skiz. We are going to find them first. No, I will find them first. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. It's just like it's so spread out and it feels like it's built off of the cliffhangers where it's like here's these crazy raucous aliens that you've never seen before oh wait they're just blundering fucking idiots i don't need to see bulk and scully get a full (laughs) like two to three pages of a fucking comic it's like i get it they're dumb they they showed up at this place show me more roxy make me understand yeah why is cornelius both dead and alive right it's very much a situation where, yeah, like like I'm very interested in one specific part of the story, which the the writer is not as interested in, for well, sure. I, and I get fleshing out the universe, but I, in in my mind personally, fleshing out the universe isn't always helpful towards the story. I'm looking at you, Halo Jones. Oh you know? shit! Yeah, like like I love Halo Jones, but. Like, just because you're fleshing it out, just because you're growing all of it, doesn't necessarily mean you're getting a lot of uh, necessary context to the story. You're getting world building. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so for me, it's like, I love Skiz. And I am very hopeful about where this is going. But it's got my bottom. I'm out. Shark Tank rules. I'm no, out. man. Well, I'm, I'm hoping they can fucking win us back. Oh, know? I'm out this month. I'm out this month. Are you kidding? Yeah. I'm so ex- I'm so stoked for more skiz. I'm so glad it's here. But this month, I'm out. I mean, I'll yeah. say, I think this, this skiz story is pretty long, I think. 
I'm like, like that's good. That it's, means it's got room to grow. Like it's a 16. Yeah, it, it it goes for 16 prog. So we got some more space for them to sort of spend some time to um yeah, just tell us some more sto- parts well, about the story and stuff. Like Con- Conrad, speaking of space, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. Yeah. Oh wait, 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 I'm waiting. Before you end the show. I don't need to end it. We could have this go on forever. No, no, no. In 299, last episode, I asked everybody to send in their favorite memories of the show and moments and stuff like that, as well as well wishes for episode 300. And so I'm going to put those in here. All right. And we'll read them at a later date because we're recording ahead of time. It's a magic of. Fucking future you and me will figure it out, buddy. (laughs) The magic of editing. Hey there, it's present day Conrad back again. Timelines on this show are crazy. A couple present days, some 2023 Conrad, Wilder Zone. Oh my God, it's all collapsing. Anyway. Let's get to some very kind comments folks made to us a shocking number of months ago because I'm so terrible, and but which I also am extremely grateful for. From our Patreon, comments from Ashley Baker. Congratulations on number 300 of the Galaxy's Grace podcast. Oh, thanks. My top three moments have to be Fox realizing that Block Mania was just the warm-up for nuclear Armageddon. The reveals of Robot Ben, the dead man, and Shaq Overs Hookjaw. And a bizarre moment when you both started singing Cindy Lauper. I think I might have hallucinated the last one. Listen, we are singing boys. We love to sing. Next, Michael E. Congratulations for the 300th episode. Some top moments. Well, there's always the it's always great spending time with you guys, and Conrad's cultural knowledge is vast. Today I learned um to be hit by to be hit to hit someone with the barrel of a gun is Buffalo, indeed. The slain dice game was a good surprise. Star Lordathon was mad, and I really enjoyed the early reaction podcast with the original co-host without having having uh, read the paper of it myself. Then other stuff, centaurs, Nosferatu, write his name in blood, write his name in blood. Gone to see a space wizard, I owe you one dead space child, and let's not forget, it's die hard in a, of course, all these things, doing it. Also really happy Fox has proven so massively wrong when he scoffed at the idea of an incoming strip called Button Man, totally. Listen, we'll all learn to eat our words eventually. From our emails, Jay Caro. Says, congratulations, Conrad Fox, your upcoming big 300. Please keep doing what you're doing. Your Zarjaz podcast always entertains in no particular order. So my favorite bits are the way Fox says Tom Frame. She's, you know, falling back. I guess as Tom Frame himself has fallen back on. We don't do as much, but still lives with us. The tangents you go on. Dragon Ball Z was a good recent example. Your ABC Warriors and true. Whenever Conrad and Fox try to understand some weird bit of British culture, especially food, discussion of baked beans on toast was a personal fave. And here's the next 300 episodes. Oh, and he comes back one last time. Um, his favorite moment, when Conrad does his impression of a 70s Cockney kid. It's like listening to myself back in time. <laughs> Robert Hagen says, congratulations on 300 episodes. What an achievement. 
Um, you asked for some comments, so here's what I enjoyed. One of the great moments of the podcast is, is listening to you guys interpret British culture, the things we took for granted in our childhood, such as encountering Weetabix, ads for halls, ice, ice cream lollies, stamp collections, and best of all, the Green Cross Code Man, trying to work out all the Coronation Street and obscure British TV references, especially in the Mega City blocks, is always a delight. I loved hearing both your thoughts and the stories. You recognize the British trope of sports comics, or you, you're recognizing the sports comics as interesting. The stories that were per, that were perhaps surprisingly well thought of, such as some of Return to Armageddon and the mixed feelings in Hell Trekkers. I was intrigued by how you read Mach 1 in a way I had not picked up as a seven-year-old, which is fair enough, indeed. It's hard to not acknowledge it then. I love the times both you and especially Fox became bamboozled or burst out into laughter at the ridiculous of some stories such as Shackos or Ant Wars. My favorite moment has to be very early on when you talk about Bill Savage backhanding a lorry of acid into a group of vlogs, Volgs. That seemed to be a bit where Fox got 2080s dark humor and you'll never look back. Listen, we might be having some danger acid in our future coming up as well. What an achievement, guys. Keep going. Michael Crowder emails, congratulate us on 300. Podcast's a positive good for all listens. Uh, thank you very much. Um, and say he sent in some stats, to, which getting, um, for the thrills we've covered, the thrill we've covered the most is Judge Dredd with 402 thrills. That's stories, not episodes. Future Shocks with 328. Um, and then 430, if you add in all the one-offs, like Future Shocks, Time Twisters, Dragon Tales, etc. Um, if you... If you look at, oh, individual episodes, like individual appearances or chapters of Dread, it's a, of Dread, there's 930. And then um, both Strontium Dog, Singular, and Future Shocks both have 330 individual um, ap- episodes or, or chapters, I guess you might call them. Um, there's more episodes of Captain Clep than Button Man. More episodes of Bradley than Revere. It makes you think. And only... Five DR and Quinch stories, less than Big Barton, indeed. You know, Alan Moore gives what he gives, I guess. Um, (laughs) He talks about using the Fox method, introducing the last spinnies of, of, uh, like, thrills that are good and bad and stuff. Um, According to him, the best year was 1988 with 84% fresh, and then 91 with 80%, and 91 is the worst with 49%, but... These scores are not yet in for 1994, and it's not looking good. Oh, man. Listen, I love stats. Give me more stats if anybody can give them to me. Whatever. Like I mentioned, um, the uh, the Thrill Tracker, which I'll link. And, man, there's just good stuff out here. And always, you know, it's fun. To, I don't know. I've done dumb things. Or not dumb, but like, you know, fanny things for th- podcasts I listen to. So appreciate it doing for us. Why not? For the 2000 AD forums, Jesus be Christ. Um, has been looking forward to episode 300 for ages and names me the Ted Lasso of British comics. I'm not that wholesome, guys, I'm afraid. Um, my favorite moment is when your little English boy character suddenly becomes a big English man to reflect the aging readership while simultaneously dropping a hint at a major pu- plot twist. I like my tits. No, I like George Drew with his skin burned off. That sort of thing. Alex F. with favorite space spinner moments, the realization and running gag about Dan Dare being a genocidal maniac, the deep abiding love for the first two thirds of Return to Armageddon. Oh, yeah. Until the time jump. You know, bueno. Actual tears being shed over skiz. Commitment to both Dreamweaver and Nosferatu. Oh, sorry. To both Dreamweaver and Nosferatu. Write his name in blood. 
write his name in blood. Uh, the breakneck speed recounting of Grudge Father that we did as well. It's good. We got to be fast. We got to get out of here. You're in specials during the 90s when you tell Fox how much bad, how much more bad stuff and how little good stuff there is to look forwards to with kind of a emoji. And of course, one jumping back in to mention wheelchair hobgoblins from um what? Oh, God. No, don't do it, Conrad. You can do it on your you can figure it out. Matt Talon. Ah, shit. Remember everything but the name. I got the, you know, it was the first Steve Dillon story. Ah, oh, yeah, of course. Original Mean Arena. God damn it, Conrad. Use your brain. All right. <laughs> Colin, you'll never walk alone. We're just happy 300th. May the space keep spinning. Favorite moments. I love your take on stories that go against commonly held opinion that spin on our long in the tooth views, on, that spin our long in the tooth held views on our head. So, even episode two, 299, you both stand by Red Razors, which is a long derided story. So bad that the last episode, and even the artist, the brilliant Nigel Dobbins, was flicking at the V's as he exited. I think we might have a turn on uh, Red Razors by the end. You defend plenty of other stories that we classically don't like, and I love that. More specific faves, your take on Summer Magic made me really reappraise the story I've read many times, exactly what I want this podcast to do. Old One-Eye being the long-held... Or, or long one eye um, being 2000s earliest, early years strongest female character. Appalling accents when so accurately reflecting the desires of young readers. I am that reader so often. And of course, every bit of the beautiful chemistry between the two hosts. Ah, your love of the prog shines through and makes this a great listen. But the podcast rises above others as your love for other things pricks through even more and makes and makes it head above. Um, Head and shoulders above those. Here's your 300 more and a lifelong friendship that will make you, well, make them a joy to listen to. Oh, come on. Listen, we're all friends. Come on. It's all good. But of course, me and Fox. Oh, man. It's a thing. Sheridan, because of my particular vintage, I can't help but think of Prague 300. My first th- puree, foray into collected progs is in that range. So I'm fully expecting a mini copy of Space Spinner 2000 number one. Though we've already had the Redux episode. So maybe that'd be pointless. Anyway, Personal high points, the unconvincing child accents. Don't ever take lessons from a voice coach or accent teacher. We like it the way it is. I think it's probably think it's pretty good. Um, hot takes on old stories, drawing parallels between Ant Eater from Ant or Ant Wars and Wang Chi and Big Trouble in Little China. They're the true protagonists of those stories, even though Via and Jack Burton think they are. Old One Eye being the only strong female character in the only progs until Nessie joined sometime later. Death Planet promised another, but that was, but this was promised, this promise was immediately pummeled into the ground. Dan Dare's te- genocidal tendencies, Tom Tully's specials, of course, the villainous hand on the controls while watching a protagonist on a video screen, or I'd say just any mysterious hand in the foreground is just generally the Tom Tully special. John Wagner specials, Deep South Accent Rednecks, and CB Lingo. Also, sports announcing, I would say, are also the John Wagner specials. Giving us recaps of the stories in the lamentable 90s. Reading them so we don't have to, though I will get around to them someday. Thanks, buddy. Friend of the show, Eamon Clark. Personal favorites from um, 300. The Danger Acid from Invasion. The Growing Hatred for Walter the Ro- to, for Walter the Wobot. And inexplicably, The Green Cross Code. Man, that's Fox. I can't explain it. And, strange, and strangely for Fox, getting stuck in the Lou recent story of Fox's house adventures. He's got a new house now, you'll be happy to know. Rounding us off, the monarch. 
No one mentions the greatest early space spinner thing ever. Quack, quack, Vogues. That's my favorite. I've had, got like four pieces, or no, two pieces of fan art from Mike Dory himself with quack, quack, Vogues on it and trying to get more. <laughs> the running joke slash threat of our wonderful hosts secretly being robots who hate the way robots are treated in 2000 AD and in particular the hatred of the lisping prick whose name must not be named. They're slowly crumbling positivity while trying to talk about some of the true stinkers in the prog, like Rick Random, the dead skit pretending to be Robo Hunter in the 90s, and Big Dave are particular highlights. And also a bit full of myself from the Bodark here. This one's for allowing me onto the dread annual 1991 to talk about how we got how I got into 2000 AD and my love and sudden and inevitable heartbreak of what happened to Johnny Alpha. Hey, love having you on the show, buddy, of course. Thanks so much to everyone. Now let's get back to those past boys, because if I remember this night at all, Conrad is struggling through a very bad time. Also, at this point, just based on something I said earlier, I am not interested in knowing competitive wine prices in supermarkets in the east of England. Don't at me. I understand I've made a bad decision back then. Can't be held accountable for January 2023, Conrad. He is a weird guy. All right, back to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much for your well wishes and oh, memories no, of Space Spinner. Thank you all. Hey, listen, we wouldn't have made it to 300 episodes without all of you. Hey, let me just take, say as well yeah, on episode 300, Fox. Please. That you being on this show with me has been so amazing. And, you know, it's something that I think cemented our friendship, but like. Forged in, it. You know, I always make the joke from the worst idea of all time podcast of uh, the podcast being a crucible of a friendship, right? That you put your friendship into a weekly podcast and it, then the fires of that production forges it into a pure, into a purer mineral or whatever. And fucking, you know, you're like, since we've done this podcast, you're my best friend. Like You're my best friend, buddy. You too, man. And just like, you know, just the the fucking edifice of us talking about this comic and talking about things and just like, you know, the stick to itiveness, the idea that we've done this show since it's perseverance, but a perseverance together. Yeah, we've right? done it since fall of 2016. So, you know, here in... We survived a pandemic. In January 20, 2023, you know, so like seven years or whatever. And then, yeah, and like the idea that when we did 200, that was right at the start of the pandemic, for instance. Oh, God, remember those times. You know, and just, you know, through through moves across country through jobs and not having jobs through all this stuff. And, you know, I just really want to say that, you know, I, I love you, man. And that this like, I love you too, buddy. I love you. And that us doing this thing has really been something that has been, you know, a, a labor of love and just like a, um, something that has been, you know, the most consistent thing in my life, honestly, like, like ever I've, I've done space. You knew me before I was married and now. Yeah. Like, you know, I've done space spinner longer than I've gone to anyone's school, for instance, that I've, uh, that I've had, I've (laughs) had any one job, all that kind of stuff, you know, that is true. And it's something that is a, you know, 
the fact that we're coming back here to do this stuff is such a consistency in my life and so important. And you being my friend has really been something that has saved me like in dark times in my life, which I don't want to get into, but like, it was, it's been so great. And it's been so great. Also, I'll say for people listening to this show and like, if you're a long-term listener, if you're at 300 from starting at episode one or something, or just, you know, this is the first one you're checking in. Yeah, you're seeing the chronicle of our lives. I can't appreciate you enough. You know, people come in and they've told me that this is the show that they listen to over and over again. You know, something that where I've listened to podcasts like that and to be that for someone else is also so amazing. Thank you so much for... That's so... Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, for... For for both of us. For us, you know, for letting us be there for you. You know, I mean, we sort of are having fun talking about this pod, about these comics, (laughs) but also it's so great to just, you know, to be in your ears, man. Like whatever, send me a message. Send me a thing. We appreciate you. Like, hey, listen, like as much as we do this for each other, like the, the fact is, is that, and I feel this man, like I, I wouldn't be doing this if it weren't for my best friend Conrad. Yeah. But I I mean also just the the ingratiating portion it, like the community has just been so welcoming to I think the both of us. And, Absolutely. Uh, and I I like if we were just yelling into the void, we just <laughs> changed what we were doing. Yeah. Right. But I really appreciate people being this, out there to support yeah, us and talk about the show and help us out and things like that. I mean, it's really this community, great. It's just got such a, a, a different kind of fan, right? Like not, I've, I've not met anyone from this community. That's just straight up shitty. <laughs> They're all <laughs> just very sweet. Yeah. Uh, and I think that it, it, whether you're a new or old listener, whether you're new to 2000 AD and, and just trying to slog through all of this shit just by listening to it. I mean, I, I mean, I really appreciate it. And I'm speaking for the both of us, Conrad. I think we both have really thrived off of the positivity that we've gotten from, from everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. And just generally just people being, you know, welcoming us in is having a great time it's been so great and you know sorry it's the same same, whatever i'm drunk but anyway man you get to get away with it we're drunk fuck you 300 episodes 300 episodes fuck you fuck you listener (laughs) i'm so happy to be here you know we're really we're getting close to that prog 1000 when i'll be reading all are we just gonna be doing heroin or just like speed balls. <laughs> Pretty much. Like by my count, 329 is when we'll be in fully into undiscovered country fox, which I'm really excited about. I we're gonna have a we're gonna have an interesting time, you and I. And I couldn't think of a better person to fucking plumb these depths with you, man. It's Thank been you, so man. amazing just hanging out and talking about these comics with you. I fucking love this, man. Yeah, like I say, like I, I may not always be available, but I am going to do this show. <laughs> totally, and it's been great. And just again, uh, you know, this is very sappy and 
Conrad, you know, entering that later stage of drunkenness here. No, listen. Anybody who's who's saying this shit is sappy can go fuck themselves. All right, like people people being honest and saying kind words to people, that's fucking normal. Like yeah. get out of here, you weird you weird person who doesn't think that saying nice things is is nice. Listen, everybody, I love you, buddy. I love you too, dude. I love past and future Conrad. I loved Button Man. We said that. I'm drunk <laughs> as shit, folks. Just I can't. I, I can't this, stress it enough. Listen, you get a vacation every hundred episodes. I'm happy to apply. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to lie down after this. That's 100% we're all, true. We're all going to do a lie down. Actually, I've got to get packed for a fucking business trip. That Woo, I don't what a life. Fuck, fuck <laughs> Heathrow. I hate going there. Your country needs nationalized rail systems. Anyway, I hope... You enjoyed the show. And as always, you can find us. Specifically us being Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or really on any podcast site at Space Spinner. Wait, fuck that one up. Yeah, or you're fine. On our podcast site at SpaceSpinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at SpaceSpinner2000.com or at gmail.com on the 2000AD forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at at SpaceFinner2000. For everything else, just look up SpaceFinner2000, and honestly, we're going to be there. Yeah, buddy. It's not hard to find us if you just search the name. Uh, Come back next week as Conrad takes over, and I have no fucking idea what's going on. Yeah. Until then, wait, 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 I'm wait, wait, con- wait, 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 wait. Oh, Come back next week as we reach the end of Button Man, Rex <laughs> Razors, and Big Spartan and start an all new tale of space judge violence with the core and begin a new Time House adventure, Fox. Time House is coming back. Why is Time House coming back? It was bad. We're also going to vote for a new chief judge of Mega City One. Who's it oh, going to be? Democracy? Bad. Well, it's, among the, it's no. among the judges, so it's fine. Also and, democracy. Literally, they say that's bad. And then, listen, this is November. I want to make it clear that we're getting to the end of 1994. Oh, we're getting close to those spinnies. Start buddy. thinking about your 1994 spinnies, Fox. Oh, it's, oh, don't fuck. neglect them. All right. I don't want to. I don't want us to get to the spinnies, and all your all your nominations are from like October and November. All right. They're I want gonna you to all be from November. I want you to you know reach that. back to early '94 and remember some of these '94 stories. Okay. Get you walkie-talkie. No, that was Death Planet. That's too far back. Fuck you. <laughs> Death Planet references. I'm gonna kick your I'll ass. I'll never, I'll never stop. It's in my memory forever. It's literally taken the place of my mother's name. Anyway, that's what's coming up. It's gonna be exciting. Think about the spinnies. Start sending them in, but don't send them in just yet. Send them in after next episode. Okay, so listen. Until then. I'm Conrad, and he's Fox. And we are Space Spinner. We don't really care. Splunge Deep Earth 3.